All right, let's do the thing. All right, welcome everybody to episode 113 of the Collector Cast. Um, I'm back this time, but uh, now it's Bill's turn to be gone. So you you just get uh, to listen to myself and the the wonder, wonderful Mr. Polnick. From Good the, old Mr. Reliable. Yeah, well, I mean, I usually feel pretty good because usually I'm the one that's like in all the yeah. shows. But, you know, I was gone last time around taking a little uh, break for uh, my mother wanted to go visit my uncle and aunt. And they uh, they, they winter, they're snowbirds, they winter in uh, on the Gulf Coast. So uh, my mom didn't doesn't like to fly and... That would not drive that far so that was uh i took the week off to take her down there it was <laughs> uh you know it was nice to be at the ocean and it was a little cool it wasn't i wouldn't say it was uh warm but it was brisk it was nice it wasn't bad though so we, <laughs> we enjoyed the time there and it was good to see the ocean and i uh got to listen to you guys kind of go through and talk about selling some stuff off last time mm-hmm. and uh and now we're going to talk about something a little bit different. So um, what's been going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, nothing quite that exciting. Um, I did. I will get this out of the way first because we don't need to get into a lot. I bought tickets to go to Japan, and I'm extremely excited about it. Um, be this summer. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, something I've wanted to do since I was a teenager, and I finally get to do it. So I am, I'm just thrilled, just, uh, really eager to, to get over there and, and have a, a good couple of weeks. You're just going to stack up the Famicom carts, like as much as your, <laughs> your luggage will hold, right? No, if, uh, I'm going to try and get some Saturn imports. <laughs> I think that's going to be the, the big stack. Oh, yeah. all right. All right. Very good. Yeah. That's uh, but what will you do when you'll have all those weird flags in your collection and they won't match up? To, I'll, like, I'll the keep them in a different and... room. I'll start a Japan wing. <laughs> at my house and then i can put the import stuff in there keep, all right keep them very all good separated. well uh well very good i was uh we'll get into it when we talk in a minute but i was playing some famicom the other day so you know i think uh Ooh. having completed all these nes games you know you got a whole nother library over there maybe <laughs> a huge one <laughs> um other very than good that, what else is going on uh my kids had a weird day off in the middle of the week last week uh so we took them to see the new puss in boots movie and it was surprising oh, yeah, like it's like the shrek thing right apparently it's linked to that universe yep totally um and it, it was good yeah i'm i am very much not a shrek fan but i really did enjoy this movie and i i don't know if i've seen the older puss in boots movie uh if i did i have no memory of it uh, so I don't think you need there to watch another it. one. Yeah, like a long time ago, like shortly after Shrek, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway, this one was great. Even if you haven't seen or remembered that other one, uh, it had some really cool action scenes. Uh, it was really funny. The characters were all really interesting, both the good and the bad guys. Um, my kids loved it, so we'll probably watch it again when it's out on uh, some kind of streaming service. So is it still Antonio Banderas doing the whole thing? Yeah, and Selma Hayek was in it too. Um, a few other oh, people you'd good. probably recognize. Yeah. No Shrek cameo though. Uh, they made like some passing comments that like linked it to that stuff, but no, there was no like big like donkey didn't like walk across the screen or anything like that. Oh, thankfully, okay. I was say, it's <laughs> been a long time since we had a Shrek movie. So yeah. 
I don't know. I think this one did well, so maybe they'll get back on that and do another one. You got to talk to, to your good old Canadian buddy, Mike Myers, and say, hey, buddy, what's going on? I'd, I'd rather my, not. Where's my Shrek 4? <laughs> <laughs> no? Yeah. He's not a national treasure? Oh, most people up here love him, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of uh, most of the stuff he's done, though. <laughs> I can't see why. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, or Ant-Man Quantumania comes out next week. So I rewatched the first two Ant-Man movies uh, just today to uh, get myself hyped up for that. And I, I love those. They're so funny. Uh, so I'm pretty pumped about this one in a few days. You know, I think I'm going to go see it with my wife. And uh, she will not care at all about it, but I will be really excited and <laughs> chat her ear off on the way home, I'm sure. <laughs> I will, I'll see that one when it hits Disney+. Plus. But uh, yeah, I've enjoyed the other ones. Yeah, they were good yeah. movies. So they're, they're hyping this one up as like an Avengers-level movie, like in terms of like MCU plot. Like a lot of, a lot of big stuff supposed to happen. So that's, that's exciting because most of them so far have been a little smaller, like in terms of the scale. I was going to say, is this is the first one after Endgame that really is tied back to those original characters, isn't it? Well, they had like the Spider-Man had a big one and Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah but yeah, all, the other, all the other ones have been uh, more contained. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, Gaming-wise, uh, my buddy that I get together with on Sundays uh, to play Dragon Quest Heroes 2 with, uh, I think we're, like, right at the last boss because uh, there was, like, this crazy, you know, the you know the like gauntlet you usually go through before you get to an actual last boss? We've kind of done that. So I feel like next time we sit down, we'll have maybe an hour left uh, to finish that one up. Um, and then I think we're going to maybe start Shin Megami Tensei 5 or Dragon Quest 11. One of those two, I think, is up next. So what kind of gameplay is Dragon Quest Heroes games? It's one of those, uh, like, uh, Warriors games, like the uh, Hyrule Warriors, uh, you know, uh, Persona Strikers, like those uh, those spinoffs from the Musou Musou games, yeah. So, like, you're you're in a huge field, and there's, like, a million guys coming at you, and you're just swatting them all over the place left and right. But is Dragon there a Quest. stage where it's just like nothing but metal slimes everywhere? There, I haven't seen metal slimes, but you can get like early in the game just like swarmed by like uh, blue and red slimes. Oh, okay, very yeah. good and fun. I mean, it sounds like yeah. kind of like brainless sort of fun. Sort it of is, thing. and they they pull uh, they do the like interdimensional thing, so they can pull a couple characters from every single game in. So you've got characters from like all over the place. Uh, seven, eight, uh, two, <laughs> five, like, yeah, they, they got a good, uh, good roster. And then they have a few that are unique to that game. Um, and they all kind of band together. So you've got like Tornico fighting with his like abacus thing with, uh, Yangus from seven with his giant axe and Carver from five, like punching things all at the same time. It's pretty Why fun. not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> and you can swap between, you can have four characters on your team and you can swap them anytime. Uh, so it's fun. it's fun to mess around with all the different types of fighting because they have like a dozen different weapon types. You know, like twin swords. You can be like a magic wielder with the wands or staffs, or you can have the boomerang, uh, fists, um, giant broadswords, axes. Like, it's pretty good, pretty varied. Whips. So is eleven the last mainline Dragon Quest besides obviously the the weird online one you can't play that you haven't played yet? Yes, 
It is. Um, so I'm excited because I've heard nothing but good things about it. So I'm curious, are you going to play it in the traditional like 16-bit mode or are you going to play it in the modern 3D mode? So the plan is uh, at this guy's house, the way he's got it set up, is we're going to play through both. Uh, we're going to have two TVs beside each other with one of us going through the 3D and one of us going through the 2D ah. modes at the same time. That's yeah. very interesting. I'll be curious to hear the feedback on that one then. Yeah, I, I feel like I've heard that the 2D mode, because it's quicker to traverse on the overworld map, is a faster version. So I don't know if it'll work. Like, we, we might have to wait a bit to like keep pace with each other. Well, one um, of you can just grind more. Yeah, so we'll, we'll try and make it work. But uh, that, that's the plan so far. All right, I'll be curious to hear some feedback on that one. And lastly, I finally started uh, Live Alive um, that I got for my birthday a couple months back. I think I'm about halfway through it right now. It's really interesting, really unique, and a lot different than I thought it was going to be. I know really next to nothing about this other than it's the lost square JRPG we didn't get at the 16-bit era, which is a lie because we didn't get tons of them, but (laughs) anyway... Uh, it's so, like seven short stories and they're all vastly different. Like, it's not just like, here's a two hour JRPG story. It's like, uh, here's a two hour JRPG story that's done in the style of street fighter two. And the next one's a two hour JRPG story. That's, uh, all, uh, stealth related. And then the next one's like setting traps and there's like almost no combat. If you get the traps, right. And then the next one's got no dialogue. It's all like pantomime and like they're, they're all very different ways to tell stories, but they all are kind of JRPGs. It's really weird. Every, every scenario starts with somebody that doesn't have a memory and (laughs) no, actually, uh, none of that yet. I've, I've done one, two, three, four. I think I'm on the fifth of the seven and yeah, nobody's had amnesia yet. Just wait, it's coming, I guarantee yeah, it. there's two more. Uh, I have near future and distant future to do still because um, they're all in different time zones. There's like a Western one and a caveman and uh, Edo, Japan, uh, Imperial China, uh, present day, and then the, the two future ones. Does any of it tie together or is it just, nah, here's a bunch of stories? Not yet, but uh, I, I think there's something after you've done all seven that ties them together. I just don't know what that is yet hopefully next show i can talk a little bit about that uh really yeah i kind of want to hear some feedback uh yeah well yeah you've shared some Mm. tracks yeah it's pretty good um yeah i really want to hear the full feedback before i know like uh, yeah i should check this out or now this is just weird and cool and (laughs) that's okay just to go that's weird and cool yeah i honestly don't know if it would uh if you would like it uh, because it's so different than a normal JRPG. You don't get those things you, you really like about a JRPG. Like, uh, you don't get cool quests. You don't get like, there's like no side stuff. Cause there's such short stories that you just kind of do those. Um, the combat's really neat, but it's like short in each chapter. So once you start getting the hang of it, it's like, okay, we're going to switch it up for the next version now. So you never get too deep into them, but it's like grid based and, 
kind of active time. You've got like meters that you're watching on everybody and you can like use certain moves to knock their meters down so they don't get attacks as often and vice versa. Um, yeah, the, the Street Fighter one was actually really fun because you have to lure moves out of the opponents and then once they hit you with them, you learn them. So you don't want to defeat them too quick because you want to learn their moves to take on to the next fight because sometimes they'll be vulnerable to those attacks that you could have learned in the previous fights. Oh, very good. All right. Yeah. Do you get to su- do you get to suplex any doom trains? Or- you you do get to do some suplexing. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, well, um, yeah, I'll be curious to hear the wrap up. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, hearing that maybe it's not my cup of tea, but yeah, maybe I'll have to watch some videos or watch some might play some of it. Unless the thing that ties it together at the end uh, is more traditional, I I don't know if you would like it as much as I do. But uh, it's definitely, if you want something different in the JRPG realm, um, it's very different. So I'm curious in that same vein of like multiple stories. Um, obviously, the Octopath Traveler 2 demo came out the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we want to talk about the larger Nintendo Direct or anything. I didn't watch it, sure. but I, I think you saw some of it. But yeah, I watched it. That particular piece, I, I know that like whatever you do in the demo carries across into the full game. Are you going to do that? Or you're just like, nah, I'm just going to wait till the full game hits. I'm just going to wait. I have a friend who played through it. Uh, I think it's a three-hour demo. Like It's significant. And uh, yeah, it transfers over. So he did that already, and he's he's very excited. Um, but I'm just going to wait for the, the full game to come out and probably pick it up pretty early, I think, if I can swing the finances. I know you are very excited. And when does that one hit? Oh, like two weeks. It's like the end of February. Oh, it's that close already. I didn't yeah, realize. it's real fast. Oh, yeah. Well, with the trip and everything, I'm sure it's probably like uh, juggled the finances a little bit, right? Yeah, we got to make sure we get like bullet train passes and stuff before uh, i start buying new video games that's right i mean you know you can't leave brad pitt waiting at the station i know right now i know how to defend myself uh during this trip very good just watch out for weird cowboy people or something and and mascots can't trust those mascots (laughs) that's right just (laughs) punch them all yeah um so um do you have anything else to say there, or do you, we just want to talk about maybe the direct? Why, well, sure, yeah, Let, let's get thing. into the direct a little bit. I don't have a whole ton to say about it. It wasn't a direct aimed at me for the most part, but there was a few gems in there. So what piqued your interest? Um, I love Pikmin. Pikmin 4 is looking great. It doesn't look like they changed the formula too much, which is awesome because it was, it was working. Uh, so I'm happy to have a new Pikmin adventure to go on. Um, I kind of thought Professor Layton was dead and buried on the DS and 3DS systems, so I'm really excited that they're they're still going with that franchise. That really surprised me. Who owns that property? Who publishes that? I think Do you know. I think it's Nintendo that publishes it, but Level Five's always been the developer. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they have. I, I've never played a Professor Layton game, so I don't know. They're really fun. If you like puzzles, like yeah, they're just the best. Little, little mind teasers. I don't know if that's yeah. why. I, I don't know if that's why I play games, but I mean, I, I get why that sounds like fun yeah. for some folks. It was great on the DS because the vast amount of different styles of puzzles you can do with the touchscreen was awesome. And the Switch has a touchscreen, right? So yeah. I mean, they could make sense. They could to do me. stuff with that. Totally. Okay, gotcha. All right. Yeah, that pretty much it. Um, 
the Baton Kaidos HD. Um, I have a couple friends who might actually play it now, and I've been telling them for years, like, it's a really cool game. So I might have some more people to talk to about why Baton Kaidos is awesome now. Because that's like a card battler, right? It's an RPG, but the combat system's card-based, and there's like a time-based mechanic and like a combo-based mechanic to it. It's very convoluted, but it's awesome. <laughs> All right, very good. That's a, yes, again, something that's not in my wheelhouse, but... <laughs> Um, sounds sounds fun for those that that yeah. like that sort of thing. I, I think yeah, if you could get it past the combat, you'd like the game because it's got a really really cool story and the uh, there's a really great twist in that game, like one of my favorites. Gotcha. Well, I I was interested more in some of the other things that were a part of that. Well, just one probably in particular. I guess the big thing that probably came out for most people was the Metroid Prime Remaster. Um, Drop that day. Yeah, I, that's a big surprise. I don't know how you feel about Metroid Prime. I mean, I enjoyed playing it the first time I played it back on the GameCube. I don't know if I feel like I need to go back to that, but... Uh... Yeah, I'm about the same. Yeah, good experience with it. Uh, enjoyed it. I am i wasn't exactly hankering to replay it, though. But it sounds like they yeah. put a lot of work in. It looks beautiful. I've been looking at uh, people posting screenshots on Twitter for the last few days. and looks great. I'm glad that for people that didn't get a chance to play it because it's been you know quite a few years now at this point it makes me feel old because gamecube didn't seem that long ago but anyway it's like 20 years um, now yeah it's crazy shh, no it's not um the, the i like I get the idea right that's good get this mm-hmm. thing out there get more people interested obviously it was a good game i build type for number four whenever much. they get around to that one too yeah and i didn't care as much for some of the sequels mm-hmm. to metroid prime like the first one, I played all the way through it. Second one, I remember going through that one, and then like the third one, I, I got like somewhere in the middle, and I was just like, I, I think I'm good. I beat I one and dropped out of it. I beat one and three. I actually skipped over two. Because three was the weird, like light dark one, right? Uh, three was the one on the Wii that had the motion controls. Two was, I think, the light dark one. Okay, well then maybe I never got to three. Maybe I only played the two, second one then. I liked three. I thought I'd played yeah. through two of them though. I don't know. It's been a long time. I yeah. totally could have forgotten. But I remember kind of getting into one of them, and I think it was the light and dark one. I mean, like, I got to a certain point and I was like, I think I'm good. I don't think I need to do this anymore. <laughs> uh, I don't know what was frustrating about it, but um, I do remember like being surprised that I thought the original Metroid Prime did a good job of giving that same feel to a 3D game, which... Yeah. It was surprising at the time because everybody was thinking like, oh, this is going to suck. How many 2D games did not translate into 3D for like a decade? Like it, w- it was rare that they did a good smooth transition. So that was, yeah, really surprising. Yeah, that's true. And some of them they still haven't seemed to figure out even yeah. to this day. So yeah. no, we haven't seen the good uh, Clue Clue Land hasn't made the leap yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. The one thing that got my interest and somewhat disappointment afterwards, and we <laughs> chatted a little about on the Discord, as uh, they like the Etrian Odyssey collection, Etrian yeah. Odyssey 3D, like the first three games in one, and and I was I've always kind of looked at that series and been like that looks interesting. I wouldn't mind trying that out at some point. I'm not a huge dungeon crawler, but with like you make your map, and so that seemed like it would be pretty straightforward and easy to do since the map is right there and you don't have to try to draw things or remember right so yeah. that seems like that's like not a bad idea and um 
And then I read that in the U.S., uh, yeah, we can chat about that. There's not going to be a physical version in the U.S., and the eShop-only version is $80 for the three games. So that's going to be like 100 bucks here for us. And then I, I did... I did pass along. I read that the Japan and Asia is getting a physical release because, of course, they are. America, who cares, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the price was like still like around eighty bucks or whatever it was, eighty or ninety dollars, um, even for that physical one. So you haven't played so, any of them? Yikes! No, no I haven't I, played any. I do. I've only played the first one, um, but I do think you would probably enjoy it. It's it really harkens back to those like really old school like wizardry style dungeon crawlers like there's not a big story to get in the way it's, it's mostly about the dungeoning and the uh like building up your team and it's like a, it's a team that you create it's not like they have defined personalities it really goes to the roots of that but makes it easier with like the mapping and stuff like you said I hear the music's pretty awesome in the series. Music's well. great. It's gorgeous. Uh, they're they're like dungeons in quotes, but they're not. You're not like down in a dungeon. It's like you know forests and stuff that are just laid out as dungeons. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'll bite a bullet at some point in time, or maybe I'll watch. Maybe like it'll come down a little bit after release on Play Asia or something. I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, I'd be interested. But man, that's just that's a rough price tag. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, I, I mean, I probably could just buy the DS versions well, or whatever for I think all not of, a lot more. Well, I think all the DS and 3DS stuff's crazy. I think one of those games probably costs as much as the trilogy does now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see how this year goes because, you know, there's already a few things on my docket that I want to get to that I guess we'll talk about here at some point in time. But anyway. Very good. So, anything else on the direct to talk about, or any other updates on your end? Um, no, I think that's that's all that piqued my interest in that uh, direct. Very good. So, um, so listeners, be excited. We'll get an update in July about the mega trip to Japan and and all the cool stuff that'll be yeah. happening there. I'm interested to watch to see some pictures. I plan to take many. As, f- yeah, I bet. Um, on my end, um, being gone uh, and taking your mother to see your <laughs> aunt and uncle, uh, they're all retirees. So, um, you know, they watch a lot of TV. <laughs> they're not we're doing a whole lot. Um, so I would take some time and just like, well, I'm just going to go walk the beach. You know, you guys do your thing and. I'll be back in several hours and, and whatever the case is. Um, but when I was there, they watched a lot of TV. Um, the other thing I want to point out from all that, the one thing that I did really like was we watched um, All Quiet on the Western Front. And I know that's like up for some Oscar noms and things. Um, it's a German film, which is interesting. But so it's World War One. The character is from a German perspective, but it's still it's it's World War One. It's still this horrible, horrible mess. You know, if, if you know anything about World War One, it was I don't know. Uh, hell is probably about the closest thing you can say 
to the experiences that went on there. And this movie paints a very vivid and gruesome picture of what that's like. Um, this is not a film where you're going to feel good watching it, but that's kind of the point, is to remind you of this is war, right? There, there's no glory, there's no... Um, nothing cool about it, right? It's not an action flick. This is horrible things happening to people and what that experience is like for people. And so I would highly encourage anyone to watch it. Uh, it was extremely well made, well shot, and um, yeah, uh, it, it will stick with you. Uh, the scenes is it's definitely not something you want children to watch unless they're older and then maybe at a certain point it's not bad to have maybe a, an older teenager watch it it's just i think a lot of times we do things to glamorize violence in film mm -hmm. and sometimes bring them back to the reality of this is what violence really looks like is important and grounding that for them because you know, some people have these pictures and they even do a really good job of portraying that in the film. You know, these kids start out, they're excited to join the war and there's these pep talks and they're getting their training and they're super excited and then it hits them in the face very hard, very fast. And it's uh, kind of the story of one of these kids and his process through the war. So obviously the book's out there too, but uh, again, I would really recommend folks to give that one a watch. Um, moving on to some lighter things than that. Uh, I did watch Wakanda Forever, <laughs> the the new um, uh, film that you know, it released on Disney Plus February 1st. So, like, February 1st, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this. Because I, I love the other Black Panther movies. Mm -hmm. Like, the other two were awesome. Like some are you, of them, probably are you some of my counting favorite. Civil War as one of them? Because there was only one standalone before that one. No, there was the first Black Panther one, right? And then there was the one with Killmonger. Nope, that's the same movie. <laughs> There's only the one, and then Wakanda Forever was the second one. Am I hallucinating? Yeah, he was in Civil War. That was like where he got introduced. And then he like he showed up a okay, little maybe bit that's in what I'm Endgame. No, because like in Civil War, he was just had that first piece, like he's at the UN or whatever, right? Yeah, and they blow it up, and his dad dies, and then he goes to hunt down yeah. Bucky. So he's like a big part of that film. Is but Gollum is in the one, right? Gollum is in uh, Black Panther, the one with Killmonger. They're they're both there. Killmonger kills kills Andy Serkis in that one. Am I like crazy? Maybe it was just so long that it felt like two <laughs> movies. Was it like one of those three-hour films? No, maybe Wakanda Forever was a three-hour film, but the first one was like oh, two God, hours. Oh uh, God, trust me, I know what I know. Wakanda <laughs> Forever was a three-hour film. All right, then I'm old and I've just mixed things up in my head. I believe you. You've watched these things probably way more than I have. Okay, in my head, that was two stories: the story of uh, Gollum, and then the story of Killmonger. <laughs> Yeah, okay. he's kind of the villain for the first half of the movie until they reveal that Killmonger was the real villain pulling his strings. Yeah. Okay, so in my head, that those were two movies. <laughs> I somehow I've 
Okay, anyway. Maybe you had a good bathroom break in the middle to break it up. You just hit that perfect time. Maybe I did. I don't remember. Maybe I didn't <laughs> watch it all at once. I don't know. Anyway, I I really enjoyed the movie, especially the one with Michael B. Jo- well, it's the same one. All right. With Michael B. Jordan, right? Like, I thought he was an awesome character. Yes. Like, Gollum was okay, right? He was okay. Yeah, I agree. But uh, Michael B. Jordan was amazing in that film, and obviously Bozeman was amazing in, in that film. Again, probably one of my favorites. Um, and that's why it made this one a little rough to watch. Um, and I don't blame Disney. I just don't know how you follow this up without him. And I know they like tried their best to make a coherent story. And and that was the tough part. They They wanted to honor him, right? And they spent the beginning of the film doing that. And I respect that a lot, right? I think even the fans wanted that because they really never got to say goodbye. Yeah, it's very abrupt. to the character, right? Um, so this gave the fans also a way to kind of get over that that part. Which, so I, I yeah, get that. they spent like the first twenty minutes of the movie like really deep in that. Yeah, they did, and I get that, right? I, and I think that was a good decision because you still. Even the audience sitting in has to transition like, okay, like this was just this character now, right? What is, what is this universe anymore? What's happening? Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the movie, I think just did not know what on earth it wanted to be. Um, It just went in so many directions and none of it felt coherent to me. Um, And... I felt like it tried to tell too many different little bits of story and not sticking to one thing in particular. I, I think if it was more was focused around, lot, yeah. I think it was more focused around Namor and that conflict, it could have been okay, but, or just make that like another movie and make this one about getting past um, the loss of the Black Panther and the issues going on in Wakanda and and that secession i just kind of felt like by trying to jam all this together like you didn't even get to any of the conflict part till pretty late in the film Mm -hmm. like with namor and everything and then there were still even bits in it where like you don't even we don't even get the new black panther until almost the end of the movie yeah my my daughter leaned over to me like two hours into the movie and was like i thought we were going to see black panther (laughs) I was like, oh, right. like, they're coming, yeah. And and uh, I, you know, who they chose, I don't want to spoil anything in case somebody's watched it, but, and who they chose for the new Black Panther, I don't have an issue with that either. You know, I thought once that happened, it was pretty cool. Now the fight scenes and stuff that went on were pretty good. Uh, it was just all that churn in the middle that kind of seemed like it really didn't have a cohesive narrative. So I'm really hoping that they can get past that and bring it back to something more focused. Yeah. The next time around, um, it, it's hard when I, they, I love the series. Yeah, it's hard when they want to introduce new characters too, and they they want to really flesh them out and do a good job of them. But when you have multiple new characters, they all want to flesh out in the same movie. Yeah, it can really start dragging parts. Yeah, because after a while, you're like, where, where, where what are we doing again mm-hmm. on this and okay, like, why are we here? And, um, and like the whole, 
I don't know. Like Namor's character, I don't know if I really loved it. No, I mean, I, I really liked Namor. I thought they they nailed that. I, I again, I don't know a lot about the character, so maybe you can tell me like, yeah, that's him. Oh, he's like, uh, or he, not. I've I've only read things where he's shown up as like a guest or an adversary. I've never read like a standalone Namor book. I'm not a big Namor fan, but. Uh, I did like what I saw of him here. He, I don't know if he's comic accurate or not. Uh, I love that they kept his little wing ankles. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I guess again, I, I don't know much. I didn't. I honestly, I didn't realize the he was a villain. Oh yeah, um, that, I mostly know him I, from like the '60s, where he just like shows up to like beat up heroes, but then at the end, he's like, "You're not so bad after all. Maybe we can be friends one day." Right, that's kind of what I thought. It was like he was more of like a neutral character. He's really and... aggressive towards like anyone who's powerful. Like he would always fight like Thor and the Hulk like back in the day. Okay. Well, I mean, he seems like an interesting foil mm-hmm. for that universe. And um, I don't know. I guess I kind of it's kind of like Aquaman. I don't. I just. Mm-hmm. Why do we always have to have an Atlanta story, and and why does the water people always hate the Earth people? And I don't know. Anyway, it is what it is. So, um, anyway, I hope it goes in better places. But um, yeah, yeah, what wasn't uh, quite what I would love it to be. Um, we Star Trek, right? Even yeah. you, you think you fi- finished up the next generation films, and I finished up the next generation. Well, films. I still have the last one to do. Uh, I forget what it's even called now. Uh, Evolutions is that the last one? Um, I'm trying. To, I don't remember either because there's Nemesis, and then and then I haven't watched yeah. the one after Nemesis, which I think is Evolutions. So I saw okay. I saw yeah, Generations, I First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis so far. And I, I will probably watch okay. the uh, evolutions before we uh, chat again. All right. So up through Nemesis, then, because uh, Nemesis was the Tom Hardy yes flick, right? So I have been pleasantly surprised. I have not watched these films probably since they came out in the theater, and besides a couple parts in some of the earlier ones, <laughs> I think they've gotten better. Yes. Right. Like. Hundred percent. Like the the earlier ones had some issues, like that whole emotion chip bit. I was like really worried after watching Generations. I'm like, oh, like this is pretty rough. But yeah, they've all gotten better than the previous one. I feel like. Yeah, like that whole emotion chip bit. <laughs> I'm glad that kind of went away mm-hmm. um, because it just wasn't good right like yeah. that destroyed what the whole point of that character was in the first place yeah so um so what are your impressions then because you it was probably you were a kid when these things came out right yeah i didn't see any of these like i didn't grow up with these movies so th- this was new to me i like i thought i had seen first contact in the theater with my grandfather when i was young but either i'm confusing it with another movie or it just didn't happen because i watched it and like none of it came back to me okay okay yeah but uh so like insurrection really was was a highlight for me because that felt like star trek to or felt like next generation to me because i I love that show and the show is usually best when it's like slow and they really dig into characters and and there's some like 
meaning behind the the episode and that's what insurrection felt like to me just like a more grand version of a next generation episode whereas the other ones before that had these big set pieces and they tried to do like action and like space battles and stuff and i I don't think star trek's best when it does those things unless it's very methodical Mm -hmm. like in nemesis like the space battle kind of part that was in that was good but again it's like a ship versus like a ship and it's very methodical and tactical at its most there were four ships it wasn't like a fleet versus another fleet yeah it was it was much better that in that aspect totally agree yeah because these are huge like basically battleships i mean they shouldn't be just zipping around and <laughs> and you know that's it's not star wars they're not x-wings right yeah, they're not little attacked craft yeah. they're these giant behemoth cruisers right i mean so they should have very weighty battles i would think yeah and nemesis so was... the only thing though like with insurrection though like we talked about i don't where did the word insurrection the title come from there was <laughs> I, I I mean, we kind of talked about like there was the like the off world or people or whatever, maybe. But I yeah. still I'm like, was it just like this is a gotcha kind of title or it must have been or maybe they forgot to change it during production or something. Because, yeah, because <laughs> when I heard the title and I'm watching the movie, I thought there was going to be some kind of instruction on the Enterprise, which uh, they didn't even try and like red herring or hint at or anything like, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird title for that. Movie. Yeah. Maybe it's just like, oh, this will grab people and make them come but okay i mean i can kind of get nemesis from the next one because yeah. it makes sense right with what was going on in the film but insurrection i got no idea yeah but uh, uh but okay yep so, yeah i was gonna say nemesis um had a really cool villain because um you've you've got these two guys that kind of have insight into each other with that connection they have that made it really neat because they could like sometimes predict the other's behavior and you're like oh i could actually buy that a little bit yeah yeah um i think kind of the 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 aging gimmick was a little you know i don't know if i needed that in the film i don't think the film needed that i think they could have just had younger versus older and that'd be fine i think that whole like fake time pressure thing they had to put on him i don't know if that really added anything to the film because he was fine until like, oh, suddenly, you know, just so happens now, it's going to start going bad on you. Right. And I was like, eh, really? <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it was pretty cool. It was a neat mm-hmm. idea. And I liked that kind of like, oh, this is kind of a neat plot, so, right? Like, oh, we'll clone and replace. And, you know, that was yeah. a neat plot idea. The, the one part of that movie that took me out and I thought was really weird was... Uh, right after they had met uh, when things were still uneasy, but like there was like potential that maybe they could have that relationship with the Romulans Uh, just out of the blue after that, they're like, Oh, we're just going to have like mind sex with Troy. And it's like, why would you do that right now? Like it made no sense. I didn't think obviously they set it up so she could reverse it later on in the movie, but it just felt so out of place. It was kind of weird and almost kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, to watch and it's unnecessary. Like, okay, yeah, they could have set something else up. Yeah, you know, but like sh- I kind of understand the, the setup, right? Like as Shinzon 
He's never seen an Earth woman, so mm. he's kind of like infatuated when the first one he sees. Obviously, you can imagine he's a young man. Again, though, it's the first woman he's ever seen. It's not like he's doing it by himself. He's literally like, imagine your dad like holding your hand <laughs> yeah. while you were making out with your first girl. Like, <laughs> that, that's the weird. That's the weird part. Is that whole like? I mean, honestly, it's kind of like it's kind of like a rape scene. A hundred percent. Yeah. And and it's kind of like I don't think I needed this. In this yeah. film, um, I I want to get that. I think you could do it in a non-sexual way and say like, "Oh, he's just in a, invading my mind" or mm-hmm. something, right? I don't think they needed to bring that piece into it. It was kind of weird, especially for Star Trek. Yeah. Um, a I don't know why it's is as it is, but like you just get the idea in Star Trek, sex happens somewhere, but like. <laughs> Only Captain Kirk does it, and it happens somewhere you don't and, get to see it. And Data gets to do it with the security officer. Oh, that's true. Like, you know, Yar. Uh, yeah. He gets to knock boots with Yar, because he's fully functional. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but like, for the most part, like, you, you always get hints, things, right? But it's always very, it's very consensual, right? Yes. It's more of like we've moved past some of these stereotypical roles yeah. in the future. Raker's and pretty this was like very weird. Pretty uh out there in the first few seasons too before him and Troy start to like build that relationship up. Yeah, cuz Riker is Kirk, right? Yeah. That's the whole idea, right? Um he's the young brash officer full of, you know, vigor and and not so much smarts in all the cases, right? He's not seasoned. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I was kind of wondering like, oh man, are these going to not hold up real well? But I've been pleasantly surprised for the most part. Yeah. I am. Mean, I'm looking forward to evolutions because, uh, yeah, they've all been pretty good after generations. And, uh, so I remember like a couple years ago, whatever you've watched like all the next generation. Mm-hmm. And then I think you started some deep space nine, but didn't really get very far in that. Right. I only watched the first episode and didn't get beyond that. I could get it. It's kind of a different style. But you've never yeah. watched any of the other ones, right? You didn't watch Voyager or Enterprise or anything. Like, else, I, I think I caught some Voyager like when it was airing, uh, but I never watched it enough to like get a feel for what the show was like. Okay, very good. And But you have watched Picard. I watched the first right? season and it really was not what I wanted, so I didn't watch the second one at all. Second one's better. Um, I've heard they keep getting better. Getting yeah. yeah, third one's getting ready to come out. And you haven't watched any of like Strange New Worlds or anything, right? No, I just saw that it's out on Blu-ray. So I was like, oh, maybe pick that up. But it's Strange ex- New Worlds was really good. Yeah, it's so expensive to buy a season on Blu-ray, though. It's like 60 bucks for the one season. So that's a lot. There's still no mom and pop rental places around you? No, they're all dried up now. That stinks. Yeah. Well, maybe you get a chance to check it out somehow. It's, it's on my radar. I definitely want to try Strange New Worlds. Yeah, it's great. I'd say out of all, all the other new, that's the one to watch. Cool. I do want to try um, Deep Space Nine again. I like Everything I know about it, the further you go, the better it gets. And that's kind of how Next Generation was, too. It had a kind of wonky first season, and then it got a lot better right away. Yeah, DS9 really develops after a certain time once, again, like the characters sort of settle in and they mm-hmm. can explore some of this stuff a little more. Um, you might like Voyager. might give it a try. Sure. Um, sort of a different idea behind that one. Yeah, she had a uh, quick cameo in Nemesis there too, yeah. 
Yes, they had a Admiral Janeway moment in yeah. that one. So, um, so beyond that, uh, I think that's pr- you know besides just here and there stuff. It's most of the things I've watched that I would say is interesting to talk about. Um, gameplay wise, so gameplay wise, um, I, I think I'm getting pretty close to my end of Tactics Ogre. I, I've got like a gajillion hours I think in that game now. But I really have only got like a couple more trophies I want to round out because there are like different story paths you can go through. Mm-hmm. So once you basically can get all the way through like the main content, you can just kind of go back, recruit characters you didn't see the other storylines. But um, since you're so powerful at that point in time, the battles really aren't anything. So you can just like set it to auto battle <laughs> and just let it do its thing. And it's over pretty quick. So then you can like just get back to the story. So I'm plowing through that pretty quick. I don't think it's going to take a lot more time. Um, and then I'll have that one wrapped up. I'm, if you like these kinds of games and you like deep combat systems, like there's a lot that goes into this and like with your characters and everything and making them stronger. There's a lot, a lot of content here. So if that sounds right up your alley, Tactics Ogre, I've had an amazing time with it. Um, I still think out of the last two for last year, I would probably recommend triangle strategy more for most people again because Mm -hmm. of the amount of content is probably just right for most people this is more for the hardcore so if you like if you're more like final fantasy tactics is your bag if is your bag then give tactics ogre reborn uh, a go um i also played the theater rhythm demo that came out um I like theater rhythm, so I enjoyed it. Although it's really weird for me to play it with a controller because obviously it's been like touchpad, you know, for the mm-hmm. thing so far. So now obviously it's very similar, the the gameplay style, but you're doing it with buttons and with thumbsticks. So it's just kind of relearning that technique. But obviously it's, it's Final Fantasy music and a lot of these other series as well. Like there's a lot of games stuff mixed in here. And... You know, the DLC that's coming out, if you wanted to go down that route there, it's basically going to be your Square Enix RPG sound game. I mean, just <laughs> little jukebox. basically about every soundtrack that you ever wanted to play through. So I love the soundtracks. In the demo, you can unlock um, Final Fantasy 2, 5, and 7, I think. And then I think like one of the other ones, like 14 or something, maybe. You don't get everything. You just get like a little bit, yeah. like a taste of of all that. Um, I yeah. think for most people that they're... Oh, oh go ahead. I was just going to make a dumb joke. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, they're trying to hook most people because like Final Fantasy Seven is probably going to be the one that most people are like, woohoo, I want to try that one. Yeah. Obviously, that one's not as big a deal to me. I went right to Final Fantasy Five for the first because uh, it only lets you play like one game and you kind of go through it and it shows its ads and then it'll let you unlock another game and, and that sort of thing. Because obviously it's trying to get you to buy the game, which is fine. I got no problem. And the, and the progress will transfer over if you, if you buy the game as well. So there's no reason not to play the demo if you think you're going to pick it up. Um, no, I like it. I enjoy it. I, I, I don't know if this is a, a full price buy for me right up front. Just because there's other things coming up that I'm a little more interested in. But this is something that I would definitely watch for, you know, in a used space or on a GameFly sale or something. I, I like, I love the music and I like playing these kind of games just as something to do from time to time. So I'll be watching out for it when it's a little better priced, I think. Yeah, me too. Um, but if you, if you, it's, 
it's more theater rhythm. I haven't tried the the um, Switch version, but since a Switch has a touchscreen, maybe you can just still play the touchscreen version on that one. I don't know. Hmm. I didn't try it. Um, the my kids to talk. Uh, my middle kiddo, you'll be glad to hear, is seems to be enamored yeah. with Hades. So um, have you watched them play a lot it? of Hades? Yes. Yeah? Yes, I have watched them play some Hades like today earlier today I was watching so what, so what do you think through. of it as a, as a spectator I, I can get the appeal um, still the roguelike part of it I, I don't I don't know and the I it's feel, not very long you just have to play it over and over and I over feel and like over you would really like the combat though it is so tight and yeah. having the different options to like do do a whole bunch of different builds like it never gets old I did see that, and so I was watching them go through and play, and, like, they've already gone through and done a lot, like, mm-hmm. has beaten the game a lot of times and unlocked a lot of the things, and so I don't get all of it because it's pretty far in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, like, even today, I watched them beat it maybe two or three times in a row. Oh, um, got a pro there. So That's not easy to do. Doing a good job. Yeah. Um, and you know, so every time you get to unlock like a little more story and a little more about the characters and, and that sort of thing. So I don't know. I mean, now we've got it in the house. So if I want to give it a shot once they're done with it, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to fight for the switch, uh, right now, but I, I might give it a go. Just give it a try and cool. see how it how it goes down i would love uh, to hear specifically was... about the combat if you do play because i think that would be the the highlight for you everybody's gushed around with it so much i'm sure at some point in time it'll make sense um for for me to give that a try so mm. um but it's here it's on the switch now so uh cool. i can do that in the future but it was interesting to watch um they were playing with the pro controller i can't imagine trying to play on the little switch handle. yeah i'd probably go pro too if i had switch mine's on the ps5 that i played it on okay because i'm like that's way too much combat going on to yeah. try to no i wouldn't want to do that so but they went on the switch so I'm, i was you know, even like you know we could look somewhere on something else maybe they'll do a deal you know but that's obviously that's portable they can yep. play it whenever they want to play it you i get the idea for me, though, if I'm buying it, obviously, I don't, I, that's not a big deal to me. Um, and then last night, uh, my youngest, uh, we were talking. I don't know why it's funny now, but she's getting into this. She'll ask me for old man stories. <laughs> we were, I don't like, my mom was and my brother were over here and we were doing taxes. And we are just talking about stuff, right? past and all sorts of stuff and she seems to be enamored by some of these old stories so are you um, like gather around kids my, and you pull up your tree stump no why not i'm one of these people where I'm like i'm shocked you care at all about any of this right i don't i know i have like some people like we talk like rich like soaks his kids in all that nostalgia stuff from his youth i feel like my kids don't care about any of that i'm not gonna bug them about any of it if they ask i'll tell them but you know, I'm not going to like try to, you know, do that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, 
So last night we were talking, I was talking about games like, you know, like what I played as a kid. And I was talking about Atari and 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 she's like, what's what's Atari? And uh, well, you know, they're like real simple games like Pac-Man and Space Invaders. And she didn't know what some of these games were. And I didn't want to bust out the Atari because it's more of a pain to hook up and everything. But <laughs> the NES TV is in the other room. And I do have a lot of those old games that came out on Famicom. So I busted the NES TV out. We sit down and played. And it was a variety of starting out with some early stuff. So it's like, okay, let's play. You know, I got out Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong Classics. It's like, here's Donkey Kong. Here's uh, Donkey Kong Jr. Um, She played some Popeye. Um, We played... Um, Space Invaders. We played some Galaxian. Um, <laughs> and the original Super Mario Brothers played that for a little while. And for having played as much Mario Maker 2 on the Switch, I was surprised she was not that great at the original <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. I was like, can't get past like the second world. What's going on here? Um, I, but anyway, so we played a lot <laughs> last night. And it was a lot of fun. And then after she went to bed, I'm like, I already have all this stuff set up. I'm just, I want to keep playing for a little while and some games I don't touch as often I was like these days. So since I had the adapter out, I'm like, I'm going to go play some cool Famicom games that I already have. And so um, I busted out um, Over Horizon, which is an awesome like 2D shooter for the system and uh, has that unique like you can shoot left or right. It's not like most shooters, you know, A is, you know, shoot, you know, one way and B is shoot another way. Right. Right. So A is shooting to your right. B is shooting to the left. And uh, so and it throws things at you from both sides a lot. So you have to be able to mix it up really well um, to play the game. And it's well designed. It's a good shooter. So I played that one for a while. I'm not the greatest at it. I can usually get to like the third level and then it kicks my butt. But um, had a lot of fun playing that one. Uh, it's a shame we never got that one out here because top quality, top quality game. And uh, I had picked that one up at um, at um, Retro World uh, one year. Oh, yeah. I don't think I think it was a year maybe you weren't there. Um, but anyway, um, the other one I played it was uh, I know, I can't know how to pronounce this. I'm going to guess it's Haberike. But it's the one that's also Euphoria. Uh, okay. And um, it's like this Sunsoft platformer, cutesy platformer, but um, it's got like a big open world. And so there's like four characters. You start off as one character. That character really can't do much of anything except get around, can't kill enemies, can't do anything. And there's only certain ways you can go. So it's like one of those open... I hate to use the word open world. It's not really that. But think of like like the level structure kind of like something like a um, Legacy of the Wizard, but the characters are oh, bigger, okay. right? You know yeah. how that layout, though, like there's a big map and you can move around through it. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of gated where you can move because you need certain abilities. Right. And you get those different abilities by um, getting some of the other characters to join you by beating them. So, you know, if you start out as like the penguin, then you have to go and you find the the cat or it's really like a person in a cat suit but um you know you beat them and then they join you and and the cat can 
swim. And so that allows you to get to other places, and then you get the, to the next one. Isn't that like the opposite of what cats do? I, I, it's, but it's a person <laughs> in a cat suit. There's a lot of dialogue. It's in Japanese. I can't read Japanese, so I don't know what's going on. There's they probably explain it very somewhere. thoroughly. Makes yeah, sense in the but the, mu- but the music is amazing in this game, and the graphics are amazing. It's a later sunsoft game so it's of that quality you know that you come to kind of expect at that point it's very cutesy and i love it that if you get off track it guides you so like if you're going the wrong way and you go into an area there'll be a flashing arrow at the top it's like no you need to go back that way <laughs> it doesn't explicitly tell you where to go but if you go too far off the path it's gonna be like no no go back that direction so that way you don't get totally lost but it's not like holding your hand and going, go here. Um, so anyway, I've never beat it. It's, it's, but um, it's just a fun game to play for a little bit. Is it's it pretty a, long? Like a fun little platformer. Um, I don't know. I've never gotten through it. Hmm. So I can't tell you. I usually get to getting about the third character and then, you know, my time is up with do you, it. Do you so, know how many characters there are to get? Um, from the slots, it looks like there's four. And on oh. the title screen, there's four characters. So. That's what I'm going to assume. And you can get some items. So there's a password save system. It's a lot like Mega Man's password save with dots and things on a grid. And there's a map, you know, that you can get. So you can see kind of, again, not perfectly, but you see like the square layouts. You know, it's kind of like those kind of uh, Zelda kind of map, you know, because you can see kind of how things are connected to a degree. Uh, I think it's a game you would love. So Yeah, I've seen some video. It looks great. And like you said, the music's awesome. I've, I've listened to the soundtrack before, too. Yeah, I think if you ever get the opportunity to play that one, I think it's one that you would love to play through and really enjoy. Um, also, I usually every time I've got the thing hooked up, I'll play Crisis Force because <laughs> that's probably like one of my favorite shooters and it's not incredibly hard to play, so I can get through most of it pretty well. So I was playing a lot of Crisis Force. It's like my speed of shooter. It's amazing what it does with the system. It's a beautiful game, but it's not one that's like we've turned the difficulty up to 700. You know? I've, it's, it's I've doable played that one co-op before we i think we played it i think uh, when you were here. we might have i played it before that with someone else though too okay very good yeah, yeah. and because it's like the two ships and you can play simultaneously and you can also like combine in certain points yeah. when you get it's enough a Kona- konami game right yes uh-huh yeah wonderful uh wonderful game so can't uh can't say enough about that. I played a couple of those in quick, but I don't want to spend forever all night talking about just that stuff before we move on. So had a really good time with it. I enjoy doing that. I love that um, when I recapped the NES TV, I put one of the blinking light wind connectors in there. Mm-hmm. So, and I've got one of the little honeybee adapters, you know, so you can put Famicom carts in it. So I can just play everything in it, and it's right there, and it's convenient. So did, it's just fun to play. Did your daughter have a favorite uh, game from that experience? Uh, I can say that Eden spent uh, Eden's my youngest. Uh, Eden spent the most time with um, Super Mario Brothers. Okay. So I, I don't know. I would say spent the least amount of time with Space Invaders and Galax. No, I'd have to say Galaxian for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, at least Space Invaders got played a few times. Um, Galaxian was pretty much a quick nope on that <laughs> one. So, um, which I understand. I mean, yep. 
were not that kind of game that they would make them excited about. But Space Invaders was at least simple enough and not instantly kill you that, you know, she played through that one a little while. So we had a good time with that one. Cool. Um, so I don't know. If she bugs me again, then we'll we'll play some more. I had a good time with it. I don't know if she had an amazing time with it. But, um, anyway. So... After the little catch-ups, let's talk about our main topic for this episode, and we really wanted to talk a bit about video game box art. Um, It's a topic that we've not discussed before. I really wish Bill was here to talk with us, too, but he gave us a little blurb to discuss, because I think he would have enjoyed this topic quite a bit. Um, But some of the things that make games so iconic or... um, uh, known for good or ill in some cases is their box art and um obviously you'd think in in most cases the the goal of the box arts to get you to buy the game Uh, i think everybody knows don't judge a book by its cover but i mean they're most people judge books by their covers (laughs) of course they do because we're human beings and they wouldn't have to make up that that saying if we didn't do it already Mm -hmm. um but I want to talk a little bit about box art, um, some things we remember and know about box art, history of, and then some of our own personal takes on box art. Because um, there's a lot that goes into marketing, but man, the front of the box, that really has to be the thing that grabs your attention pretty quick, or or in some cases turns you off pretty quick. <laughs> but so I figure we should probably start from the beginning and just talk about some history and our thoughts about that one. Um, I don't want to say Atari was first, but I'm just going to say for most folks, most people are going to think of early game video game box art as Atari. Uh, yeah, um, I think that's fair. Right. And most people are probably not like, man, those channel F games and the box art. Right. So Hey, they, I think we're they got good spines with those nice numbers that go up. It's great. Makes it easy to count. Yeah. Um, so Atari games were known, I think, for their really lavish paintings and very uniform box art. Um, they were usually in these very colorful boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were in a, a rainbow of colors. I don't think there was any rhyme or reason to <laughs> the colors that were chosen for each game, but they would have a very vivid color box, and then there would be a painting on the front to illustrate the game. And that that style stuck for a really long time. So um, what did you think about atari box art i mean i obviously you probably weren't around when that was market viable mm-hmm. but i mean I'm, no doubt you still saw tons of it well everyone that i knew when we had like when we had our atari and all my friends we only had cartridges nobody had the boxes left over so i didn't actually see them or grow up with them as a kid uh it wasn't until i started collecting in my teen years where i got to see these amazing pieces of art um and really yeah like it was just the labels with them on discount anywhere nope i would just see the labels that were like all text like so i had no concept of what the art was on these boxes for the most part 
Okay. Um, but I was when I was going through mine uh, in prep for this, um, I noticed there was like two very far apart styles of the box art, where they had that like hand painted, like really elaborate, very detailed, like things are just exploding off of the box, and then they had the really simplistic, like just primary colors and shapes kind of ones, like Pitfall kind of thing, uh, where they didn't try and over exaggerate the game. Cause, but that was kind of Activision, right? And that was Activision's yeah. style. They had like a particular style of their own. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they they could make things like, you know, checkers and backgammon look exciting with the way they painted them. Because there'd be like wizards and like pieces floating around. And like, oh, it was amazing. I remember as a kid always seeing the box art for 3D tic-tac-toe. <laughs> And thinking, like, that's got to be the coolest game ever. And it's not. It's not a good... I mean, to me, it's not a great game. Mm -hmm. But, like, the artwork for 3D Tic-Tac-Toe, if you don't know, go look it up. It's amazing. I would love to hear the direction they gave the artist to draw some of those things. Like, how do you make that exciting? And they did. Like, they made it exciting. But I don't know how you go from, like, make Tic-Tac-Toe interesting, like, what do, what do you tell a person that you want to draw that? I don't know, but man, they knocked it out of the park all the time, right? With the art. I don't yeah. I don't remember a lot of art that I was like, oh, that's bad, right? No. Even the, the like, the Activision style ones, like, uh, I, I was putting up, like, a uh, honorable mentions list and, like, River Raid. I love that cover and it's very simple, but it's just so vibrant and bright and it it kind of accurately depicts the game, even though it's not quite a screenshot. It's just like an artist rendering of what a screenshot would look like. I can always think of the one that comes to my mind every single time is Missile Command. Oh, yeah. I love the art for Missile Command because it's this guy... And he's got this helmet that makes him look like he's a future, like, space guy. And he's at this console, right? Like, doing his thing. And there's, like, a woman leaning over him. And then there's just all these missiles, like, coming towards you. And there's, like, a radar scope. And it's just, like, this amazing piece of art. Which, granted, I love Missile Command as well. Like, it's one of my favorite Atari games. It's a wonderful game. But... Just the artwork alone is like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. Um, or like combat, such a simple game, but like there's like jet fighters and there's like a <laughs> tank, and it's, I mean, it looks amazing on the art. Um, I just think like, what is it? Um, I can't remember. And uh, some sure Rich somewhere will be screaming at me about what it is, but there's uh, one of the early racing games, and it's like got these guys in like uh, like uh, like 1930s like uh, in- indie car racing, right, with like their goggles and stuff <laughs> going on, and you're just like, man, these, do and to the point where you can buy a book now, right? There's the art of Atari, yeah, yeah. with all these paintings in them. And they're amazing. I, I'm sure somebody somewhere has these paintings, the originals, and probably worth a lot of money at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, how else do you make backgammon look good? <laughs> they did it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, 
there was that. It was like the Atari style. And then, like, yeah, you talk about, like, Activision. And there's where, like, a lot of times, like, they would have, like, a character, like, Pitfall. Like, it's, like, a streak of action kind of, like, yeah. behind the character. Like, you could tell, like, he's moving. Yeah. Or, or whatnot, right? Um, some of them not as great, like boxing. You're like, okay, I guess this is what the boxing game looks like. Right. But, um, but yeah, any other standouts that you can think of from that early Atari era that really stuck the, with you? Like the, the licensed ones were really good too. They were like movie posters. So like Empire Strikes Back and Flash Gordon, like those kind of things looked like the movie posters. Like they were awesome. Um, yeah, like Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. is like straight up Indiana Jones. I mean, it's Harrison yeah. Ford on the cover doing his thing um uh return of the jedi is like millennium falcon and the totally. and and the death star um <laughs> i mean yeah they, they just they knocked the art out of the park and i think that was kind of the complaint though at the time was that man the art looks so good <laughs> you're overselling and then bit. then you buy the game and you take it home and you're like oh yeah uh, but usually on the back if you flipped it over it showed you pictures of what the game looked like so i mean you weren't you knew to some degree what you were getting <laughs> yourself into and there's everybody knew there's no way like you were looking at the front like oh yeah the game's gonna be this yeah everybody knew better <laughs> so um i don't think there's a problem with it <laughs> and some of it i think i just is wonderful art and it sticks with me to this day i mean some of those just I can the pictures are very vivid in my mind, and you know, like the the art box the box art for adventure, um, you know, timeless stands yeah. right out. Um, and then eventually, like you know, everybody got into the making of the Atari games, and every company kind of had their own visual style. Um, but yeah, just like those original Atari carts, really stand up, and those I, I can't imagine how much they spent just for painters. I wonder to, to do all the art. if like the same guy did a lot of them because they, they're really a consistent style throughout a lot. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, I'm sure like you could get the book and you could probably look it all up. But, mm-hmm. um, so um, then we moved into, I mean, we could talk about there's some other things, but I think when we talk about early on, I'm going to talk about like things that had consistent styles. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if we were talking about, like, computer games or a lot of different manufacturers, there weren't, like, a lot of consistent styles. So, um, except if you want to talk about, like, SSI and, like, some of their gold box games. Yeah, which they kind of went the Atari route and got, like, uh, pretty decent painters to paint these beautiful D&D kind of motifs. Yeah, they had, like, a lot of, like, oh, man, it's like a Boris Vallejo painting or something (laughs) on some of these things. I mean, they were pretty good and well done mm-hmm. um but the next one i think of when i think of like iconic art styles that were you know done all together would be the black box series for the nes mm-hmm. and it's obvious that nintendo went okay atari showed what your imagination is supposed <laughs> to see for the game we're going to show people what the game looks like pretty much, right? Totally. Um, For that first run, yeah, the first like year. It's a very much kind of what you see is what you get. I mean, it's slightly embellished in some cases, but not much, right? It's chunks and blocks and all. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that 
art style obviously is so impactful everybody rips it off to this day yep um so yeah when you, when i say black box games like what comes to your mind uh mostly the mario bros and duck hunt covers are the first one that jumps to mind um i you know those were packed in with everything for so long everybody i knew had both of those pretty ubiquitous did you have a lot of other black box games back in the day no because we got our nintendo late so we we missed a lot of that stuff and like most of those are kind of got forgotten about after the first year they weren't uh, super memorable with a few exceptions so it's not like we were looking around for you know gumshoe and clue clue land and donkey kong jr math and stuff like that you should have been <laughs> i should have been but i wasn't dumb kid yeah um yeah nobody was like wild gunman oh yeah <laughs> i had my nintendo pretty early so those were games were still in circulation and so i had friends that would have like hogan's alley or you know wild gunman right and mm-hmm. so i remember getting those and and that was the thing like the label was pretty much the box art right they were pretty much the same thing there wasn't really any it wasn't like the Atari games where it had like sometimes just text or something on the label. You got pretty much the same art. But that style stuck stuck for a little while, right? Um, and I I don't know the whole details. I'm guessing once the third party stuff hit more, Nintendo that's when they probably said forget it because everybody else is because the first game I remember that didn't that ditched that art style. And correct me if you can think of another one would be Mike Tyson's Punch Out. I think Gradius might have been earlier. Okay, but that's Konami, right? That's not Nintendo. Oh, you meant Nintendo. Okay. Um, yeah, because with like uh, Metroid, Nicarus, and Rad Racer, they all went with the pixel stuff. So yeah, it's pro- probably Tyson's a really early example. Yeah, because that was the weird part about yeah Icarus, Metroid, and Rad Racers. They all had kind of those silvery boxes. They weren't Action black boxes, but they still yeah. had the... Yeah. Um it's just weird that they they had that chance, but like even the Rad Racer box is kind of greenish silver for some reason. Yeah, and then the other ones are just like silver. So I don't know why. Uh, but I, the first one I remember that was like a picture from Nintendo was Punch Out, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. And I think pretty much after that's when they kind of went like whatever, because like Ice Hockey I think came out after that, and they're like, yeah, this is we're not doing that anymore. We're just gonna do cover art. Um. But yeah, like you say, like the third-party stuff, obviously they, they did their own things, but a lot of those, and we've talked about before, like a lot of those publishers had their own signature style as well, right? Mm-hmm. So um, when we talk about early NES and those, those consistent publisher styles, what are some of those that come to mind for you? Uh, I loved the Capcom like laser grid backgrounds. Those are kind beautiful. Of- Kind of remind me of like the the backgrounds like eighties kids would have in their like school pictures or something, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Yeah, because they always had that grid, and then they would just have like the artwork in the middle of the Mm -hmm. grid. Uh, And I remember, yeah, there was quite there was a lot of those games that that did that before Captain Capcom finally moved away from it. Yeah. Um, Which and then they moved into like another consistent style. Those early Capcom games. With the with the purple, yeah, boxes. they did right. Yeah. And they had like their little Capcom USA logo, 
um, that they would put on there. Why? I don't know. I'm guessing when they started their division or whatever. So when we talk about Capcom, early Capcom box, because those were such big titles at the beginning, do you have a particular one that stands out to you? Um, I really like not the horrible Mega Man. Yeah, yeah. I I really liked the uh, cover for Section Z that sold me that game uh, pretty confidently. I thought it was cool little uh, you know spaceman with his uh, his laser gun on the cover. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I get that. Um, for me, it was Gunsmoke. Oh yeah, was, uh, I love that like artwork, like the wanted poster kind of Gunsmoke. Um, so. That, and I played. God, I rented Gunsmoke a lot back in the day. But, my uh, my uncle left his Nintendo at my grandma's, and he had Section Z there, so I played that one a ton. Yeah, because I remember, like later on, like when you were going back and actually playing through all the games, and you were talking about beating Section Z, and I'm like, that's no small feat to beat Section Z. It was a like unfinished business from my childhood because I'd never finished it, and I I don't even remember how far I got. Probably like halfway. How would you know as a kid? You wouldn't know where to go. No, no I mean, clue. No clue how close I was to the end of that thing. Definitely. Um, and then we have, you know, obviously if Bill was here, he'd bring up Konami right away. So mm-hmm. um, in honor of Bill, we'll talk about Silver Box <laughs> games for a minute. But he had, uh, uh, Bill I had the set. He's, uh, if you want to get in on the game, uh, he's selling some of those as well. Yeah, we chatted right about now, that a bit last uh, episode. Yeah, so uh, I think I'm going to be uh, getting that uh, silent service off of it. So Ooh. I'll have to, because, you know, for the memes at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll have the the nice silver box version of silent service. Um, so every other copy that's floating around here, 16 stacks of them won't be like mine. <laughs> the um, But man, that was probably, I would say... To me, out of all the NES artwork, like Konami's artwork was probably some top-notch stuff, right? Hundred percent. Even the like, they kind of had that Atari feel to some of them, where it's like, yeah, Castlevania looks awesome, but then it's like, wow, Bill Elliott NASCAR Racing actually looks really awesome, like maybe too awesome. There you go. Or like, man, I'd really love to play some golf after yeah, you know, looking Jack Nicklaus's uh, eighteen greatest holes. Yeah. <laughs> Right, man, I'm wound up now. Um, and then I, I remember like Bandai's games had like a consistent look. Now, Bandai wasn't huge at the beginning, but you go back and you look at like Ninja Kid and uh, and some of those games. They Are have they a very chubby cherub style. Too? Is that chubby cherub? Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a very distinct style to their box art. Um, um, yeah, the... I, the FCI ones uh, also had a somewhat consistent style too that reminded me a little bit of the Konami, even though they went with a few different colors. Um, but they obviously didn't have the same caliber of artist, um, but they had a few really cool looking uh, images there. Like uh, some of the Ultima ones look really good. The first Ultima game that came out, oh, that cover art was not that great. No. But Ultima Exodus is not top-notch cover no. art. But... Quest to the Avatar, though, that's that's good stuff. And um, Irem, right? Some of their stuff had yeah. a very consistent box art style, uh, which looked good. I think compared to it had a very similar to the silver box motif going on. 
with a lot of those games. I think that was kind of neat um, because as we see, as we'll talk and go later on, like company just sort of abandoned that after a certain point, but we're not there quite yet. Um, any other big uh, publisher styles that you can remember from? I mean, I like, you know, besides the stupid logo, I can't think of like LJN. They didn't really have a consistent style or anything. No, yeah, there's there's not a lot of other ones. Even like within a series, like a lot of them didn't have something consistent. They'd be different from game to game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like Ultra, right? They, it was just, they just put the art right besides Mm. the logo you couldn't tell um now the flip side of that was master system and you want to talk about consistent box art style right all the way through (laughs) yeah so um yeah this like gray and white checker box with like one little chunk of art like that's what you got for master system like a little illustrated bit and sometimes it was okay and sometimes it was like i don't even know what this is supposed to represent yeah right like uh like the uh what the game is was a kickmaster whatever with no, the foot that's just a foot yeah just the foot yeah. right and and uh pro wrestling where it's a dude <laughs> holding a head he's holding his own head isn't he <laughs> i i think yeah. but that doesn't really make any sense no. when it comes to the game um and you know you think of some other ones that are uh, you know anyway they were it was not great right <laughs> it was just not great box art um but at least they were consistent they stuck with it right and i don't know about you i think we have to blame tonka for that right because like tonka was in charge were they in charge of the box art i know they were like distribution i don't know what they had to do for packaging and marketing and stuff well, you look at, like, the Japanese art for all this stuff, and it's, well, not all of it, but, like, a lot of it's beautiful. I right? actually and haven't looked at a lot of Master System Japanese stuff. I'll have to look into that. It's art, right? It's what you would expect from video game box art. It's like, oh, okay, this is what I would expect on a video game. Are and they still then, the plastic clamshells over no, there, too? No. 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 They're like boxes. Oh. Just cardboard boxes and stuff. All right. Um a number one though i do love the clamshell right because those things have stood up very well not all of them some get torn up but i mean as far as like boxes go those things have held up really well over time and they're great to display i don't care about a lot of other boxes i love having those just because they're great to hold the game and display it i really love those um so yeah master system box art what do you got to say um yeah it's kind of a a step backwards from the atari stuff <laughs> it's not uh, amazing like i've got most of the north american set and there's i don't think there's a single game in there where i'm like this like i would love to hang on my wall like there's that just doesn't exist maybe galaxy force right because it's so different it's like a silver with checkerboard and it actually has some art mm-hmm. right but for the most part yeah no it's um, or like those couple Activision games, like Rampage actually has real art. Yeah. Uh, or There's whatever. The, uh, I can't remember the other one either. It's got the ninja on the front, and it's actually got like a background to him too. Master of something. Yeah. I'm just blanking, yeah. And then 
early Genesis like inverted the grid. Like, okay, we're gonna keep the grid, but now it's a black background. Negative. Like gray or white star. Yeah, like oh, you can tell the sixteen bit power because we flipped the colors. Yeah. But they did actually start including real box art on the front, right? And again, the clamshells, which I loved. Um, and I think those original Sega titles that went on, you know, probably for like that first year or two, yeah. had a very consistent look. And they were beautiful, right? Some of that artwork was very beautiful in those games. Um, and I know you were a, a Nintendo kid, but do you do you remember seeing like a lot of the Genesis games and being impressed or like? Yeah, what like we, I was a Nintendo kid, but we traded our Nintendo for a Genesis, and then I was a Genesis kid for a few years. Um, and guess which games were cheaper? It was those first year ones, so we had a lot of them. And yeah, I love those boxes. Yeah, very good. So that like Sonic's, um, the, they they're one and two. Like I love those covers. Uh, those are things I would hang on my wall for sure. Well, and sometimes they would even have like posters and stuff that they would come with. Sonic but, Two yeah, you had but, one, yeah, dang. yeah, yeah. Um, what other art from some of those early games do you remember, or did you like? Um. Uh, I don't know about the early ones other than the Sonics that really burned into my memory as well. Like some of the later ones do like Toe Jam and Earl and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, those early ones, it's mainly just Sonic for me. I remember um, Truxton because uh, I had Truxton and mm-hmm. uh, that one it vividly comes to mind. Herzog's Vi. Uh, it's kind of like that robot and the yeah. ship. I've had that one for a long time. Um, last battle, with like the the guy is doing his like jump kick or whatever <laughs> on the front. Um, obviously, I'm a big Fancy Star lover, so like mm-hmm. you know the Fancy Star two and Fancy Star three. Uh, although the Fancy Star three books are not as great. Um, even like uh, Golden Axe, right? There was some really cool art that was in Golden Axe. Oh, yes. Uh, I do the love cover. the Golden Axe. And I kind of like the cheesiness to the Strider cover, too. That one I, I do remember enjoying. Yeah, and man, that was a great port of Strider um, for the home at that point in time. It was really good. Yeah, because his... Uh, and just... Oh, man. And to flip it the other way is like Strider Returns uh box art oh boy yeah don't look at that one um (coughs) i don't know where that came from (laughs) and then eventually like sega just went to like uh the red stripe right Mm -hmm. and mostly the red stripe was the cardboard box time there i think there, there were some clamshell red stripe games but that's later on they went to the cheaper you know cardboard box and stuff and i just never really liked the red stripe nearly as much as i liked the other the other art so i like the red stripe as like a uniform box design but the art seemed to take a step backwards like there's none of those boxes that really jump out to me as amazing like maybe vector man uh was kind of good I wouldn't um, put it up that high. 
I'm, I'm trying. Maybe Biohazard Battle was kind of cool. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah. I'm str- I'm stretching here. Yeah, I'm trying. But yeah, good games. But um, yeah, the, but the really, boxes weren't amazing. Yeah, I think that's the tough part, right? Like the the consistency of the style was there, but the art was again. It's like they went. I think they were just cheaping out a lot of things. Like they were going to cardboard boxes. They were, you know. Anyway, um, is what it is as far as that stuff goes. And and then we move on, and I think as we move on, we have some generalities in tar- terms of like the styling but really the art starts to go all over the place like if you pick up a saturn game you know it's a saturn game i mean the boxes like the art is of a particular style if you pick up a playstation one game you know it's a playstation one game has the black stripe or maybe the horrible horrible horrific green but you know what it is by looking at it very quickly um but i think the last great one in between there to talk about that probably not everyone is familiar with but you will know them and i know a lot of them and that would be turbo graphics 16 i hope we Um, mention super nintendo as well because i love how uniform those boxes are okay yeah well no let's talk tg and then we'll i i don't think of them as having a uniform style but we'll we'll, i guess parts of the box were Mm. uniform maybe not the art though um Man, TurboGrafx-16. <laughs> I don't know. Like, man, did they not have an art department? Or, like, they were just like, I'm going to hire my brother to do if, the art. If like, you didn't have, like, man. an anime character to put in the front, it, you looked like a real off-brand, like, Hong Kong, like, knockoff version of whatever you were trying to draw. Like, TurboGrafx-16 games... I don't know. They were just, I can't think of, I can't think of any good ones. I can't think of, maybe Bloody so, Wolf. Uh, Bloody Wolf is cool. Uh, one that I really like is Ballistics. That's got a cool cover. Okay. Okay, yeah. All right. I can see that. Yeah. So, so like, that, almost the rest of the, the U.S. library is terrible. That that cover, too, for Ballistics is interesting because the they use the same exact image on a reissue of a judas priest album and then they use the exact same <laughs> really? yeah they use the exact same ish uh image on a sci-fi fantasy novel too so there's three different mediums that have all used that same picture so this must have been some classic like sci-fi art that they just licensed over and over I, yeah i assume so yeah but i do like it it's okay. interesting it has nothing to do with any of the three properties that they put it on, but uh, it looks cool. Yeah, I'm just... Uh, and which is sad because you'll look at like um, the PC Engine mm-hmm. art for their games. It's amazing! <laughs> it's... They have gorgeous art on theirs, but like, why did NEC just like... Okay, I guess we could use this, but nah... Let's yeah. just have let's have my brother Paul just hand freehand this thing or something. It, it, they almost kind of remind me of like children's coloring books where there's like those big line, big round <laughs> lines for everything, and then they just had someone put in yeah. primary colors to like fill it in after. Yeah, it's. I mean, some of it is just laughably bad, and the sports ones are like, oh, it's things busting out of a TV. 
I don't know. It's rough. <laughs> I, I, and again, you, you want to do yourself a favor, look at some PC Engine art, but don't don't look at unless you want to laugh. <laughs> look at some tur- Turbo Graphic sixteen art. I mean, um, now some of the later games that came out when like basically NEC was done and it went over to like that TTI and all that. Yeah. We, they started getting some good art again. Like you look at like Final Soldier or something, right? You're gonna see some good art, but. Yeah. I'm talking about like that first mainline run of its main life as the TurboGrafx-16. It boy, there's a lot of rough stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. All right, so you want to talk Super Nintendo? I'm gonna let you go. So yeah, just like the whole system had those uh, like black like border around it that I just love. Um, and there's there's a couple games like only a handful that have a spine that's not black and they drive me absolutely nuts because there's so few of them it's like there's a boxing game and like final fight guy and there's like a couple others where when they're in your collection they stick out like a sore thumb because they're just completely different from everything else even the big boxes like earthbound and lethal enforcers and stuff follow the like the black borders um and they look great i'm trying to think of like is Maximum Carnage one of the ones that's different? No, that one's good. Uh, the cartridge is, is obviously different. It's got the red, but the box art still uh, still follows the uh, the pattern. How about Robocop versus Terminator? The spine, I believe, is still the same, but the front's got that like uh, that, like grid metallic kind of grid thing on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, because I'm trying to think back to ones that I thought like, oh, these looked really weird. Um, but you're right. There was a lot of consistency. And I think obviously Nintendo could do that because they made all the games, right? They were, you know, so they could say, no, this is <laughs> yeah. the way it's going to look. Um, although, okay, help me out here. Am, am I going insane? I want to remember that there's a Super Nintendo game where like the top where the label comes up that it's printed upside down. Oh, Am I yeah. crazy? Th- th- no, probably not. There's one of those on every system. It's it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying for the life of me to remember, but I'm like, oh, come I, on now. I would, um, yeah, I'd have to go look at my collection and I can't remember, but there's always at least one of those for like every console that's just printed the opposite direction of everything else. Yeah, and you're like, it just yeah it's enough to drive you insane yeah. especially if you stack these things up and you have a lot of them it's a nightmare um yeah we've talked about before but man god almighty i love super nintendo uh, dust covers for their cartridges yep. and why did they yep. stop doing that so early drove me nuts <laughs> um now i have to now i have to buy get extra ones for all my cartridges so they all have dust covers even though they I, didn't come with them i, used I want to... them all to have a dust cover I used to snag them from my store, so I'd have extras. Yeah, I love that. Like it keeps my cartridge clean. I always thought that was a wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, since we're talking about Super Nintendo, though, is there any box art from that era that really just like to me the ones that stand out? Like man, like Super Street, like or not Super, but Street Fighter Two Turbo. Yeah, right with like the the uh, the Sagat like kind of falling over like. <laughs> <laughs> like he's gotten hit um yeah or like even like the original street fighter 2 with blanca doing his thing those are both um, what amazing. about you 
Um, I like the yeah. first Mega Man X cover because um, it like shows him off in his cool new armor. Um, it's not super detailed, but Mega Man never really is uh, until they get to the like kind of throwback ones when they did Mega Man Nine kind of stuff. Uh, that one, uh, Maximum Carnage that you mentioned, I love it because they took the comic book art, and there's so many comic book games that don't do that they have all like this huge arsenal of amazing artists that they don't use for the game covers and it drives me nuts they're so bad most of the time and they should be the best box arts around yeah well they can just call their brother you know paul down and receiving and have him draw real quick oh my god (laughs) once they got to the 3d era they're just like we'll put a 3d model on here instead of using one of the like Uh, 50 amazing artists we have we're gonna just uh, even just take a cover that's already done and slap it on there would be better uh wildcats every ps2 box art just about yeah oh my gosh um, but Wildcats on the Super Nintendo, um, I was a big Wildcats fan back in the day, and Jim Lee did that, uh, so that one's got a pretty good cover, and, and it's got a poster in it too, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, there you go. I'm trying to think of any stinkers, like any really ugly games on the Super Nintendo, and I'm having a hard time thinking of any, can <laughs> Full you? lengths? Remember that one with the banjo playing old man? Please? that's iconic i think at this point in <laughs> it's time, iconic right? like that's it's so good. out of left field yeah but i mean it's so out of left field people will never forget that box art right mm-hmm. i think whoever that marketing team is they're like why would we put the band look just put the banjo guy on there the, right you mentioned the first uh two street fighter releases which are great but super street fighter 2 is really boring that cover is just not exciting brick wall yeah with shadows yeah it's it's pretty terrible i'll agree with you there um but yeah i mean but there's some that are boring like that but i can't think of any that are uh, no doubt there are somebody's gonna chime in and go well what about Mm. but i can't even like even some ones that like uh like tough enough or whatever right i mean they're (laughs) that you know the, the boxing games but... were at the point where they just like slapped a picture of the boxer on the front and they're really kind of uninteresting too which is fine though right it's not terrible it's just lots of sports titles did that though right yeah they, they started the to put hockey players on them and stuff like that too and football players yeah yeah I mean, but even like on the nes right ice hockey it's an ice hockey guy on the cover it's, mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's just a dude in uniform okay you get the idea yeah um okay so then we start getting into what i would probably consider to be the modern era and i know that you specifically wanted to i i know you got 360 ps3 uh, i'm just gonna talk real quick about god almighty to me like one of the worst periods of art period was ps2 like either okay. ps2 games looked really cool or there were some that just uh like they they were into that 3d rendering thing when it was early and it looked like garbage yeah and there was a lot of those on those covers where it looked like trash yeah that extended into the 360 ps3 era in a really bad way i think uh where they just like we have this asset that we made uh we're just going to put it on the cover and not do anything else to it and they're so boring and ugly 
and I, I don't know why anyone would buy the game based on the covers of, of most things during these eras. Yeah, to me, like PS2, PS3, 360, a lot of the box, box art, like if you go to a, a, like a retro gaming store and just like look at the shelves of all these things, they are very samey, mm-hmm. right? Very few things pop or stand out. A lot of them are just like, they just all blend into some crap. Right, there'll be some Saturday morning cartoon art style. Right, you get enough of that, like the low budget Saturday morning cartoon, whatever, and then like the bad 3D renders of something. And then and there. Uh, um, the anime collage. Those are like three styles. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. right? There's not much else going on. And when you see something that's not that, you're like, oh my goodness, right? So yeah. like you see a Suikoden game, and you're like wow this is actually looks good i like the final fantasies that just went minimalist it's like this is amazing like it's there's not a lot here but they're clean and they're sharp and they stand out yeah think about the artwork on like the ps1 final fantasy games Mm -hmm. compared to like the cover of final fantasy 10 yeah you look at the cover like final fantasy 10 10's a bad cover 12 is a good cover. They they kind of went somewhere in between the PS One games and uh, ten, yeah. and even eleven was it was back to that white background yep. with yep. the like the art, and it was like okay, cool, but yeah, ten was a was a rough one, and then um, all the ten variants. I do I do remember specifically buying a few games for the cover art during the PS Two era though, um, Kingdom Hearts. Okay sold me with that like i had that like uh shiny glittery like silhouettes of all the characters yeah. uh and uh-huh. uh demon stone i don't know if you remember that game it's you don't need to but uh no. patrick stewart voiced a character in it and michael clark duncan uh but it was like a D game I had a kind of a interesting uh there's just like a logo with like cool colors with the red and the white that i thought looked neat uh-huh. um, the game was short and forgettable but uh had a cool box okay very good um man there were so many stinkers because we were just talking about two before we started up and i was like you know i was thinking like my it's like mobile light force 2 or whatever it's like <laughs> yeah. the charlie's angels girls on the front which is like nothing to do with anything but there's so many of these covers were just like here's what's in the zeitgeist throw it on a cover <laughs> It doesn't matter if it matches anything that's going on in the game. But there are a few like gems that are in that era that I can think of. Um, just like Gradius Five. It's, it's yeah. some great box art. Uh, do you know the, the cover for Guitaru Man? That's a really sweet one. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Katamari, right? Uh, Stands Okami. out. Kami's got a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and then I start drying up really quick about PS2 it, games. It's a GameCube game, and it does have a bad part to it. But if they didn't have the big, stupid IGN tagline about frothing demand, uh, Ikaruga has a really <laughs> great cover. <laughs> there are several of those where, like, earlier in games, they would put, like, stickers. Um, but this is when they used to just, like, print the thing that looks like a sticker right on the box. Yeah. And it would, like, be big and, like so-and-so got five stars from IGN or whatever, right? They started putting that crap on there. And 
and it's gaudy usually and the colors are like um on the box you know like i can never remove this garbage um but yeah you're right um and speaking of gamecube i think i'm back to the other side where (laughs) i i think there was a lot of good gamecube art that i can think of so gamecube stuff i can think of like a lot of um great like the metroid prime game like most of the most of the first party nintendo stuff except for super mario sunshine (laughs) a the game sucks b the cover sucks um you you were warned yeah (laughs) you can fight me if you want to Um, uh f-zero gx you should know by now my opinion on sunshine yeah no it's good um i mean like twilight princess uh the pikmin games really fun covers yeah um even like eternal darkness yeah a little more minimalist but Um, good yeah yeah and like whatever it was um like the Advance Wars, but whatever one is it? It's not. Oh, Wars, uh, Battalion right? Wars. Yes, uh huh. That's a pretty good cover art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good GameCube cover art. Now, there's probably some bad ones. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's always like pony games or whatever for all mm-hmm. those systems. But it's so easy for me to think of a lot of like generic bleh, PS2 yeah. art, but not as much GameCube. I wonder how much influence uh, Miyamoto has to do with that coming from that artist background and being pretty significant player at nintendo around that time yeah i don't know um maybe and maybe i think nintendo maybe just maybe they just try to push a little bit more mm-hmm. but again like sony was always into their own thing and i i can see them totally be like yeah put 3d renders over yeah 100 percent. awesome yeah yeah <laughs> it's not like there was no good ones because You'd get like the uh, like Symphony of the Nights and uh, Xenogears and like some stuff that was cool, but yeah, a lot of it they just wanted to slap 3D renders on everything. Einhander, I think, is a really ugly yeah. cover. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, you know, obviously that was that age where they wanted to show you like, no, it's 3D, yep. 2D's old and boring, and nobody wants it anymore. Um, but yeah. Like, if you look at the box arts for like Final Fantasy 7 and 8 on the PlayStation and then look at the box arts for 7 and 8 on the PC where they put the character models on them, like they're a lot uglier. Yeah, uh, there's a reason why they didn't want to put those 3D models on there. They they kind of stunk. Um like, you know, it still gets me that like the Final Fantasy 7 people don't have hands, right? It's like they just have like these Popeye arms <laughs> that are that are kind of weird. It's it's very strange. Um but you you've got on the list here specifically like 360 PS3. So you must have a few in mind that jump out at you. Oh, it's everything. Like they've got these amazing games <laughs> like Mass Effect and there's they just have the most boring covers you can imagine. And anything that was first party like uh Oh, like the resistance games and um except for the third one where they kind of went cool with the logo on that one but like infamous like it's just so boring it's just like here's like every shooter is like here's a white guy military dude on the cover um to to harp yes, on the the siphon the, filter cover yeah right? yeah uh to harp on the comic ones again too like you've got some of the best batman games that have ever been released with the stupidest covers that have ever been released when they've got just 
you know, tons of talent that could draw these amazing artistic covers and they just choose not to use them for some reason. <laughs> I know. I know what you mean. Even some of the new games still are really bad about that, right? Yeah. Like, and, and like, um, like that... I was going to think of like Injustice 2. I was going to um, bring up Injustice as well, like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like the... Yeah, the character's there. I mean, it's kind of in the art style, but I mean, it's just, oh God, it's an ugly cover. And um, like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter went from these amazing covers for years and years and years to just some of the worst covers in years and years and years in those franchises. I would agree. Like, um, no, there's not a lot in that era that really... See, I mean, yeah, a lot of those... Yeah, I don't know. At some point in time, they just like... We don't care anymore. Like I, I just they they get this time where it was like we're gonna get gritty, everything's gonna be gritty and dark, and it's kind of ugly, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be though. Like you can be gritty and dark and pay an artist to draw you something amazing to match that. But they were just like, here's a black background and our CG character, kind of slightly turning to look at you. Like uh, the Uncharted yeah, games are all like very well renowned. All of them have ugly, stupid, boring covers. But just like here's Nathan Drake standing, and I think that's the problem with some of those is, I think they don't get it because, like at that point in time when the game came out, those graphics looked good, mm-hmm. but a year or two later, they don't look that great anymore. And whereas I can look at Missile Command from a gajillion years ago, like, man, that's that cover looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, like that, the 3D does not age that well. Do you imagine how cool, like, Uncharted or Tomb Raider games would look if they went, like, an Indiana Jones poster style to them? Like, they'd still look incredible. Sure. I mean, hire somebody to do like a a movie style painting from like the 80s that would be like a film poster like a raiders of the lost ark or something right that's what they're trying to ape anyway i mean just go lean into it yeah um no we gotta get uh, you know just it's unimaginative i think yeah um and it's still kind of like that today like when i go to like eb games or walmart like they're either anime covers or these cg covers still like they really don't do much different it depends i think a lot on the genre right um because like if i grab the tactics ogre reborn box Mm -hmm. art it's beautiful i mean it's like a painting um again right um but People that play those kind of games, that's the sort of thing I think that they expect. Yeah. And people that play other kinds of games, like, I'm guaranteed, like, nobody cares what a Call of Duty cover looks like, right? They're just going to buy the new COD Blops, whatever it is, and play it. So, some of that I guess I get, but the stuff that's in between, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's just, a lot of it's just really boring. Yeah. One of my favorite modern examples is I bought the Annapurna collection uh, a couple of years ago. It's got eight games in it, and they styled it so that every single game has a solid color background 
uh, and each of the eight games has a different color. And then they just have one object that represents something from that game that's important. And some of those covers are really cool. And it's just like a hat or a donut or like a journal. And they, they're just really well shot and artistic and they're neat. I like them. Yeah, I think that you can do well on some of that if you have the right styling. Um, I think about some of the ones that where the art's probably better than the game deserves. <laughs> um, you know, I think of like Night Trap. Like the artwork for Night Trap is kind of <laughs> cool, yeah. to be honest. And the game's not that great. <laughs> you know, it's once you've played it once or twice. But I mean, there are some things like that. They did a great job because that would sell me a lot more on it. Because yeah. it kind of looked like a comic booky kind of horror thing. Like, oh, okay, cool, Night Trap. This sounds kind of neat. Um, or I remember like games like on like like a lot of these Sega CD ones saying like Black Hole Assault. Like the oh. art kind of looked cool. Sega and CD is terrible. Has lots it's of great terrible. Boxes. Yeah, like oh man, that game was so bad. But the box art was so good. Um, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I think that's... A, do you think that these days with the internet being such a thing that in a lot of cases they can get away with not caring as much about the box art? Oh, yeah. If 80% of their sales are digital, who gives a crap about the box art? You just need a key piece of art to put on the uh, eShop and you're, you're good to go. But even things that are physical, right? I mean, most people are probably going to just go on Amazon or something and order it. Most mm-hmm. people are not going to the game store and browsing by cover yes. anymore. Yeah, I think the people that are still holding out for physical are, uh, they're informed buyers already. They're not uh, impulse purchasers for the most part. So they they know what they're buying before they buy it. So the box art's less important than ever, probably. But I think that Sometimes those people that fall into those niches, I think the game companies probably know they need to deliver something that looks a little better, right? Like, again, like if I buy uh, a Tactics Ogre, right, I expect mm-hmm. it to look good because that should be a quality game. And if they, you know, they're going to treat it like trash, then I think they probably know their consumer pretty well in that sort of space. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of the other end of the spectrum, which is the the, the trash bin side where it's all cover art because they have to get that kid that's walking through Walmart to pick it out of the of the pile of, of different pony games or whatever, right? Yeah. So, I mean, those guys probably worry a little bit more about it. I don't know. I, I would be kind of curious to see how marketing teams deal with some of the stuff now because sometimes I'm still really impressed by certain things and sometimes I'm kind of, eh, all right, I guess they did the job. <laughs> like um switch games especially like you'll open some up and on the inside they've taken time to put like beautiful cover art that you yeah. can see through the packaging and did sometimes you, it's just a plain white background did you guys get a physical of hades or did you buy a digital digital because right. the the physical comes with an art book that has every single character in the game that's just gorgeously drawn in it and a little like quote from each of them that's cool yeah no i was it was one of those things where i want it now sort of thing so that's what yeah. digital gets you it sure um, does 
kids don't care as much anymore. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's it. Like some places, they still take the time to do that stuff, and not as much anymore. I guess that's what limited run in some of these places are. Or now you're gonna have to pay a premium or go through special hoops to get something that's of high quality. Yep. So as we kind of wrap that up, any anything else you want to go to before we start to get to our favorites and our stinkers? No, you brought up Sega CD. Like those are beautiful. I love the the blue stripes, and they've got lots of room for art, just like the Saturn stuff. Uh, maybe we should shout out 32X Games for Bill because I do like the yellow stripe and they've got a couple good covers there like Colibri and uh, Primal Rage, like pretty cool cover. Spider-Man's decent. Yeah, that was was good branding for the five minutes it was around. But, I mean, it kind of stole the Genesis thing. Mm -hmm. So enough you got, like, the connection, right? You understood the connection between the products, which was good. Um Gosh, when we're talking about artwork, I guess we never talked about seals of approval. And the, oh boy, that was a thing for a while, wasn't it? Which meant nothing uh, ever. But um, it meant they paid the Nintendo a licensing fee. And Sega for a while. Remember, Sega had their yeah. seal for a while. Um, but remember, like on the NES early on, they were a seal of quality. And then later on, it was just like some general seal of approval. It wasn't even like. <laughs> We're not guaranteeing you quality anymore. Yeah. Like, don't ask us. We're just telling you it works and it's a thing. <laughs> Before they dropped it. Um, last, before we get to these, I just want to mention that um, I still to this day don't understand why almost always, not every time, but almost always Japan gets incredible box art for their game. And we get trash. Why, just use the Japanese one. Why are we still doing this? My favorites when they have like Kirby or Mega Man and you look at them and they're the same except for they've got angry eyes over here and, and like happy eyes over there. It's like they're not aggressive enough for a North American market. Make them look ferocious. They gotta have attitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very much an American thing, right? So, um, now that we've talked in general about these, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of our absolute all-time favorites uh, that we want to shout out. And then we've got some feedback from Bill and our patrons. So, I'm going to I'm gonna kick this up and I'm going to throw these over to you first. Uh, we're going to go round robin. And we want to talk uh, just about, for time, we could probably spend forever. We already talked a lot about it. Our favorite, our top two box art ever in these so um i don't know if you have these ordered in any way it doesn't matter but i'm going to start with you tell me what is one of your favorite two box arts ever and and why so that answer will change depending on the day but today the answer for one of them is uh, ve on the sega cd um it's a landscape uh which is gorgeous there's like uh of this meteor that's hit the earth thousands of years ago. And so they have this like smoking crater and the sky's on fire and the way that the, uh, the mountains like kind of wrap around where this crater is. Uh, it's just incredible. And then being working designs, they've got the, all of their logos on there that are really shiny and, and vibrant, uh, like vase written in gold cursive. And they got the purple working designs, like logo on the bottom. 
Uh, they always put a lot of effort into their packaging, and uh, Faye is one of my favorite examples of that. Yeah, you, back in the day, you always knew a working designs game when you saw it, because usually it would have like a silvery something on the cover, right, mm-hmm. to make it jump out at you. And, and they they're, always, in, they're embossed, too. Like they, very high quality. They literally pop out of the cover, whereas no other games did that. Yeah, they, they, you could tell that they put a lot of love and attention into their products. That was kind of what they were known for. Uh, that and their really weird translation decisions in a lot of cases. But, Poor uh, voice acting and anyway. <laughs> several other things, yeah. That's true. But at least they brought the games here. We probably never would have gotten yeah. uh, otherwise. So, you know, thanks to them. And I would agree. They did a fantastic job and Vey, I've got Vey as well. And yeah, it's a, it's a very beautiful cover. It's not overdone, but it's no. just solid artwork. Um, I'm going to start with, um, I guess if I had to rank these, what would be my s- number two? And this is uh, not a U.S. game, but this is Sorcerian for the Mega Drive. And um, I, I, I picked this one, A, number one, because the artist himself, and I'll talk a little about the artist, but um, out, out of import games I've seen, I've seen this cover come up for years, over and over again, and every time it just captures my attention, like, what is this game? This must be the most awesome game. And then I'll bother to go look at it again, like watch YouTube or something. Like, no, this game doesn't look good at all. <laughs> it does not look like a very fun game. But man, like every time the, the box art, I see it again. And I'm like, oh my God, this must be awesome. I've forgotten again what the game is like. But Sorcerian's pretty simple. It's, um, it's a fairly kind of a brownish orange cover. And it's just this female warrior like with a dragon in the background um it's not overly ambitious it's fairly straightforward but it just is kind of striking and beautiful and captures my attention every time and i think again like if you put this much time into some art for the game must be an awesome game it's not an awesome game um which is probably a lot more common in japan but the artist who did this cover also did a lot of other stuff that you would probably know from the 16-bit era. His name is uh, Hitoshi Yoneda. Um, you can still go out there and follow him to this day. Uh, his uh, Twitter handle is, because I follow him, is, is Bryce, B-R-I-S-E, Marine. Or, um, so you know, just put those together, no spaces. Uh, still doing art, still cranking these things out. And he did a lot of art back in the day. did the Japanese art for... Um, Fantasy Star 2 on the Mega Drive and did some of the art for Fantasy Star 3, Fantasy Star 4. So that's kind of where I first started seeing some of his stuff. It was not on the U.S. versions because we didn't get that cover art. We got other stuff. But you would see pictures, right, from in the magazines and things uh, from Japan or some of these other places. Um, order, import, you know, that sort of stuff. And I was just always enamored by his art style. And uh, he just does a lot of this fantasy, sci-fi mixture paintings. Uh, a lot of them kind of like these watercolor paintings. And to the point where I even bought, he's got a couple books of artwork, and I bought one of his books. Because I just, I oh, love nice. his style and what he produces. And um, yeah, just if, if you've never seen it, if you, I'm going to guess you probably haven't. Most people listening to this. 
I looked it up before the yeah, show. Go check out it's the Sorcerian box art. Yeah. yeah, beautiful, beautiful box art on this one. Nice. What's so, up next? My favorite is a game I've never talked about because I've never played it. And I don't think it looks very good. Um, but if you remember way back in the 80s, uh, before EA was what they are now, they used to treat game releases like albums. And when I was buying up a whole bunch of old PC games, I ended up with this cool game called Death Lord. And it's like a little vinyl uh, kind of release, uh, like a big square that folds out. And it looks like an album cover. Uh, the Death Lord, like just the writings, like done kind of in like a like Japanese style. And then there's this demon wizard with like flesh peeling off him. There's fire bursting out everywhere. There's all these monsters. I have no idea who's fighting who in here, if they're all on the same team or not. It's just amazing. Uh, there's so much going on in it. And you flip over the back and it's kind of like the Atari games. You're like, whoa, this does not look at all like what is on the cover. This cover is very over-exaggerated. But I like when I was listing my PC stuff to sell, I, I was like, I actually had my fingers crossed. I'm like, please don't let Death Lord be worth like $500 because then I will sell it. Let it be worth nothing because I want to keep this game and <laughs> hang it on my wall. And it's not worth very much. So I was really happy. I had no idea what this was. Um, <clears throat> so I had to do a quick little Google search of Death Lord. <laughs> And uh, yeah, like it's like an, a metal album cover kind of, yeah. right? So when I see this, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it totally. This is a Kelsey thing, 100%. Um, never heard of this ever. Like, I mean, when did this even come out? This was like mid-80s, I believe. Uh, like it would have been after a couple Ultimas had come out uh, and they were trying to like cash in on that style of game. Um, I read about it when I did the CRPG book uh like a couple years ago but uh yeah it is unreal and a lot of the ea covers from this era are really good and they're like they literally like they're they're uh um idea of what a game should be at the time was like treated like an album they wanted the uh programmer to be credited and be like treated like a rock star and they wanted them to look like albums did and they they came pretty darn close to that i'd say um they're they're impressive for for that little short few years before they decided that wasn't worth all the effort they were putting into it yeah because i mean electronic arts right yeah i mean yeah because i mean like skate or die like on the c64 <laughs> I still love that. Like, the game is not the greatest game in the world. I will still turn it on sometimes just to listen to the music mm -hmm. at the at the front of it because it's just amazing. Um, but yeah, I've never heard of Death Lord. Is that a PC game or is it a C64? Yes. Or? Uh, this version I have here is Apple II, but I would not be surprised if they had a C64 version as well. Very good. Now, have you played it? No. It, uh, it looks like an early like maybe ultima 2 like around that style like where everyone it like it's tiled but the characters don't really look distinguished from each other all the npcs look identical they're just like white silhouettes of what a what kind of looks human-ish and then lots of stat screens it looks oh, really God. really boring and uh, <laughs> i don't feel like i want to play it because i have this cool image of what i think it should look like and i'd rather keep that in my head than what it really looks like not a problem. Same way I feel about Sorcerian. I mean, every time I'm always like, 
man, I should pick up a copy of Sorcerian. And then, no, I probably shouldn't. I love the art, though. Yeah. Um, well, very. Where did you come across that? I'm just. Where did you get? Or did you go seek it out? No, I bought uh, just from buying lots of PC games off of people selling their collections. It was tucked into one with a few other, like they had like the, some of the old Bard's Tale games and things that were also done in that uh, style. Um, and man, yeah, when I pulled it out, I was just blown away. There, I have a couple other ones too. There's one with like a big lion on it, like attacking another lion. Like they're they're incredible. Maybe. That was a thing. Like PC games were for like the grown-ups back yeah. then, so they could get away with some pretty cool box art that you couldn't do yeah. right on on console. Even the the stuff that they put on there, the marketing stuff, uh, like on the bottom where they have the little sticker that's like, "This is for the Apple II. You need some RAM. It's a five and a quarter floppy." Blah blah blah. They're they're pretty sharp looking in their uniform, and they uh, they stick them in the bottom left of the packaging all the time. Even those kind of fit in with uh, with what they're doing. They look good. Yeah, very good. Um, my number one is probably not going to surprise anybody um, for the game itself, but the why is maybe a little more. Um, and that's Final Fantasy VI. And I'm going to say that very specifically, Final Fantasy VI. I do not mean the U.S. <laughs> Final Fantasy III box art. Yeah, that one's... is not great. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it does... But it needs to do. It's okay. Right. But if you look at the Final Fantasy VI box art, um, it's a beautiful painting, Um, which is very different because like a lot of the other earlier ones were just like, here's the logo or here's some characters, right? They were very simple. White background. Here's just some characters. Or like you look at Final Fantasy V and it's like just some of the characters on there. It's really simple. Um. But this one is is this painting uh, by Yoshitaka Mano. I mean, you everybody knows who he is. He's the guy that does all the art, like the main key art for all the Final Fantasy games. Been around a long time. But it's just this beautiful painting of Terra on the Magitech armor, um, like overlooking this city uh, in the background, and it's very very detailed. And it's just this beautiful artwork that's there. Um, you know, off and on, I use it a lot as my background on my computer um, because I just love this painting and kind of the world that it sets up. I mean, obviously, this is a time where the games couldn't live up to that art, but the art of games were getting closer to it, right? Where you could go into the um, the menu screen and the character portraits actually looked like the Amano art, right? The key art for the characters, which, you know, before that was tough to do. Um, even though, like he designed a lot of this stuff to go at the beginning. But um, just, I don't know why that one stands out so much to me. Uh, again, because it just has its own thing. It's not very reminiscent of what they did before or after. And that game, A, having such an impact on me, and then B that cover art standing out and just painting such an amazing picture of of like that key character and and the story that's getting ready to unfold just amazing i love it um if for some reason you haven't seen it you should definitely seek it out and uh the other good news is um i'm gonna guess probably still it's still probably pretty cheap to get a boxed copy of this um probably not as cheap as it used to be but um 
like years ago, uh, I bought um, four, five, and six boxed complete you know, um, off eBay from Japan and they were like nothing, right? Like <laughs> that's back when these games were like $5 or something, you know, you could get them complete. I'm sure they're more than that now, but since they sold a gajillion copies, they still weren't that crazy. So, um, you should definitely check out this art if you haven't. And now's the time for the dishonorable mentions, I think. And then we'll talk about our patrons and bill. Um, so I, I asked Kelsey and then I've picked, uh, just think of a, the stinker like what's the what's your favorite stinker art that just comes to mind when you think of like just ungodly bad video game art um but that so, i still so Kelsey, like what it, do right? you got for us but i still enjoy i don't it, care if you like bad. it or hate it just but what's okay. what just tell me the that stinker i've got two then i've got one that it's they both suck but one of them i love and one of them i, I hate more than anything so the one that i okay. love is iron sword Wizards and Warriors 2 on the NES with uh, with Fabio on the front. Fabio? How yeah. can you hate Fabio? I don't. I love it. This is the one I love. Uh, oh, so you're saying it's so bad it's good. Yes, it is. I think it's just good. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you think that. Um, it's Well, I mean, it's just a big buff dude with a sword. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> the idea you want to, you know. It just stands out so much because most other games would paint the dude with the sword it's weird to have like an actual dude with the sword on there yeah i really can't think of of uh, any other off the top of my head besides like sports games that have just a picture yeah. of a, a person on it and like kuros from those games is full plate mail armor for some reason they're just like this guy's wearing a loincloth and it's got a sword that's it like i don't know why they went that route with them but uh i like it yeah, and this is back before Fabio was as big as he got. Mm-hmm. So um, his career kind of blew up a little after this. Um, so yeah, you have to wonder if it was like they were just going through a talent scout. They're like, we just we need a male model, you know, with yeah. the sword, long hair, big muscles, get him on the cover. Right, definitely. Yeah. Okay, all right. So you like that one, but you think it's bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the one that I don't like and I hate more than anything is the Batman Arkham City Game of the Year edition, uh, where if you didn't know, if you somehow don't know who Batman is, you would think this game is called 10 out of 10 IGN, because that is the <laughs> biggest thing on the cover. And then there's still like five other quotes on there. It's like Game of the Year, five out of five at GameSpot. And there's more quotes on there than there is Batman. And it and the little bit of Batman that's even on there is just one of those stupid, awful CG renders we talked about. And it's like grayed out. It's not even colored. It is one of the worst boxes I've ever seen in my life. And it's it upsets me greatly that it's a Batman game that should have the most amazing box art you can imagine. God, yeah. yeah. When when it's a, like a marketing sheet right on the front, I mean, you're like, okay, this is not how you. I mean, you may think this is how you sell me a game. This is not how you sell me a game. Um, and maybe if they were like stickers on the front cover, you could at least peel them off. Oh, there's like five or six quotes <laughs> that like is printed the on there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, <coughs> I don't know if I've seen that box art, but I'll have to take a look at it. it sounds Please terrible. Please Google it. It is so bad. Is that like the Metroid Prime that has like the Kmart thing? Like 
printed on it or whatever. How, however bad you think it is for me describing it, it is so much worse. <laughs> like that 10 out of 10 Game spot the game is probably, and I don't think I'm exaggerating, like a third of the the space for the art. <laughs> it says 10 out of 10 dash IGN. Please tell me too that they put the quotes in. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's quotes all over this thing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like the quote marks? I think so. <laughs> oh my gosh. They phoned that one in hard. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's Batman. Like, it's a comic book. Why wouldn't you use amazing Batman art, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so my pick for this one is, um, um, daggone it, what the name of the game just jumped out of my head. <laughs> is it the final, uh, final zone two. See, this is how memorable it is. I had to go look up final zone two for the TurboGrafx 16 CD. I, I don't know if, if you could think up generic space dudes that you crayoned in like on a, the back of a table mat uh at, at like your local ihop or something at night <laughs> i mean it's it's so generic looking it's it's these dudes that somebody's tried to make look like they're posed in a certain way and oh and a woman um but like the perspective is not right at all in in that um and they're like they have these helmets but like the helmets are like popped off (laughs) but like you're like that that couldn't happen that way that's not how helmets could be held on and they have like a gun in their hand really poorly drawn you're like i think that's a gun maybe it's like a club or something he's gonna hit somebody with i mean it's terrible i mean i get that nec was spending like zero dollars they had probably at that point said, look, man, this mark, TurboGrafx is dead. Don't put one more penny into it. Get the game out because we're going to release it anyway. Don't spend one dime on cover art. And it shows. They had, again, like Paul's brother down in, in marketing, just freehand it <laughs> and turn it in. You've it, got 20 minutes. Do your best. Business. <laughs> right? We're shipping it. Just get it done. I don't care. Go. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. Like I think one of my kids could do better than this. It's it's pretty bad. <laughs> now, you have to own this, right? I do. Yeah. Should I hang yeah. it up next so to my desk lord like, on the wall? Have you ever been shuffling through the, admittedly other really bad Turbo Graphics <laughs> art and just went like, oh man, this is a stinker? Or have you been just like, nope, China Warrior every time? <laughs> Forgot about that one. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're all, I, like, because they're all together and they're all bad, I guess no single one has, like, really jumped out at me over the rest, but, yeah, it's, it's not great. Now you're gonna go back and look at China Warrior after this. That one I can picture in my head. I know, I know the cover to China Warrior. (laughs) It's good that you can laugh. Um, yeah. That's a pretty expensive piece of bad art that you own there. Yeah, there's a few of those. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's for sure. 
So, um, yeah, so those are our stinkers. If you don't know those, go look them up. Um, you would know, maybe, if you've been a f- listening to the show for a very long time and paying close attention, I used to do art for the show, like oh, yeah, yeah. halfway do art, where I would just like Photoshop our faces into things. And one of those was this Final Zone 2 cover way back in the day. So if you want to go look that one up, you can, just because I thought it was so bad. But, hey, there was like four characters, so and there were, I had three heads. <laughs> so anyway uh, so um time to share a little bit about um some feedback from bill and from our uh, one of our patrons so why don't we take one and the other so do you want to take mike's and i can take bill's sure so mike shared with us uh an image in our discord uh of some of his favorites uh, all of which are nes games um, so we talked about Silverbox games earlier, but we didn't really talk about these two specifically. Um, he's a big fan of Blades of Steel and Simon's Quest. Um, and the Blades of Steel one, I I remember on Nintendo Age, somebody like pulled up like hockey card images, and they're like, these are the cards that they ripped off these players from. Uh, and it was really cool because they're like <laughs> I identical. Didn't know that. Yeah, there's like old like, like oh you wow know, upper deck hockey cards from the eighties that they just like verbatim like drew the characters from those drew the p- players in those cards on the cover it was really neat well i'm sure they were probably went to the arts to, like draw hockey and they're like i don't know hockey <laughs> uh, okay let me go find some source material i think that's probably exactly what happened uh, i know mike's a big uh adam's family fan so he's got a soft spot for the fester's quest cover for some reason <laughs> which is just a big close-up of fester's weird looking face I gotta tell you, Mike, on this one, I don't know if I can be on board. I don't know if I can be on board with the Fester's Quest box, but you do you, man. Yeah. Uh, he's also a big G.I. Joe fan, so he's got the uh, first G.I. Joe game on the NES there, too, which he's uh, a big fan of Snake Eyes in particular on that cover. Um, which which th- is, I mean, that makes sense. It's like the G.I. Joe art. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, like the ones from the comic. Yeah. Um, Ninja Gaiden, the first one. With the like flames in the city behind Ryu and his giant muscles, it's pretty solid. I'm a big fan of this. One I would too. agree with that one. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that one for sure. And his last of the six is the original Final Fantasy, the North American version on the NES that has like the the orb and the uh, axe and the sword, which I Chris doesn't like. I love this one. I'm I'm a fan of this. I would blow this up as a poster and uh, slap it on my wall. Um, yeah, to me, it's kind of generic for the time. Um, one thing I will say though, is that I want this particular copy though, because when I look at it, (laughs) a, there's a nice big Mattel logo on it, which tells me that's cool. The Mattel. And secondly, there are two seals of quality. That's how much quality is in here. There are two seals of quality. A lot of quality. So you get French quality and English quality. That's how much quality you get in this box. (laughs) I've, yep. I don't think I've ever seen a game with two seals of approval on it. You got to move to Canada, man. We're we're double the quality up here. I'm telling you, I'm impressed. That's a lot of quality. <laughs> well, thanks, Mike, for sending that one in and letting us know. Um, Bill couldn't be with us this evening because he's rocking out at an, a concert uh, to, uh, I don't know, whoever does the Superman's Dead song. Um <laughs> But lady piece. He, he put a, 
Okay. I, again, when we were talking before, all I know is that I, I, I. <laughs> that's all I know. Uh, <laughs> that's all you need to do. And that's literally all I know. Like that, and Superman's dead, and that's I don't know any of the other parts of that song at all. That's, <laughs> Chris is bit. such a Superman fan. He turned the song off after he heard that. <laughs> Can't listen to this garbage. I did. I said, Super, Superman's not dead. Yeah. Um. But Bill says, uh, one of my favorite alternate cover arts, the reversible Xenoblade Chronicles 1, gifted to me by my buddy Kelsey. So you must know what this is then. Uh, I don't. What's yeah. the? What's this one? So I brought this up to him the first time I stayed at his place for Retro World as a gift because he was looking for Xenoblade Chronicles at the time. And it was one of those uh, short print runs on the Wii before they'd reprinted it. And it was really hard to find. Um but the cover, yeah, if you flip it over, the other side, um, it's like one full piece of art that spans both sides of it, where it's just, I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Xenoblade, but they have really lush, vibrant environments. And so it's this huge uh, image, there's like a uh, cliff face coming off it, and you've got your characters standing there, and then the whole rest of it is just this gorgeous green, like there's flowers and, and plants everywhere, just like as far as you can see. Um, and it's done like a painting like you like. It's it's fantastic. I must plead guilty. I own this game. I've never played it. It's probably still shrink-wrapped. Oh, I was going to say, if it's not shrink-wrapped, flip that art over. Get the other side where, where this is gorgeous. Uh, but if it's shrink-wrapped, you know, that's fine. Keep it there. I've got a lot of shrink-wrapped Wii games. <laughs> a lot of ones that I bought thinking like, yeah, I want to play this, and mm, never got there. So maybe someday they'll be worth some money. Um, and then he said, the sweet pencil art for the 3DO version of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, gifted to me by my buddy, Duke Togo. And that is correct. I... Uh, I found the 3DO version at a local store that was here, and I know Bill was a, a big fan of that particular artwork. And, there, uh, there's that two of the game. two different covers for the 3DO too. You got the the cooler one of the two for him. Oh, I didn't know. I this is the one with like the checkerboard with the characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's yeah. the other one? The other one's uglier. If I remember right, it's just like Akuma's face, like zoomed in, like times a hundred. Like it's 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 too close. <laughs> It's like he didn't know how to use his phone and he like took a selfie like way too close. <laughs> My suits. Just really close. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. So, yeah. Well, I'm really glad that, that Bill enjoyed that one. Um, you know, and that's the only time I've ever come across that game like out and about for 3DO. I would, if I came across another decently priced copy, I would pick it up just to have it. But, um, I think the only place I've ever seen has been like at shows. Um, but so that has been a little bit about our favorite and maybe not as favorite video game box art. Um, can't believe we've gone this long without doing something a little pretty much more dedicated to that. So um, number one, thank you all very much for taking the time to listen. Appreciate it. If you have feedback, you want to tell us what you're, your favorite box art is or your maybe the ones you think suck the most and that we should take a look at uh definitely feel free to hit me up i I was interested in box art maybe that i'm not aware of and if you want to shout out some particular feel free so um 
before we put a plug in it, Kelsey, uh, any book updates on, on things? Uh, we're in the editing phase now, which is exciting because that means I'm almost done writing, which uh, is great. Um, so the editing, the, it's going to have multiple rounds of editing because it's so big. Uh, but once the first round is done, I think it should go pretty quick and smooth after that. So hopefully um, we can have it uh, up for uh, viewing and purchase and stuff uh, before too much longer. Very good. And um, remind people about um, how they'll be able to purchase this. Um, well, we'll be launching it on Kickstarter initially, um, but we're also trying to talk with some other publishing avenues. So we're hoping to have multiple different ways to get it. Um, but yeah, initially it will be Kickstarter. And then it sounds like it's easier to pitch books to people once they're done. So, um, once we've got the full book done, um, and we can show it to publishers instead of just having it as a nebulous concept, um, Maybe we'll get it in a, in a store or something, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, I just wanted people to think about that so you'll know there's a Kickstarter coming around that maybe if you want to scroll a few bucks away so you can get uh, Kelsey's book, that would uh, yeah. keep that in mind. It's coming up. One thing I've been working on for that because uh, we're trying to think of like you know stretch goals for the Kickstarter and um, bookmarks is one of the easier things to do for that. Coming up with... NES related bookmarks has been really fun. I've been uh, having a good time coming up with silly uh, puns and like crossover concepts and stuff. So I'm actually really excited to show people my dumb bookmark ideas pretty soon too. Well, this will probably never happen, but my idea of a really far stretch goal is you could reach out to Hitoshi Oneda and say, we would like a painted artwork <laughs> for the cover. Of, of this book we have please. painted artwork for the cover it turned out really good i am so, no no i've seen your artwork so I, excited to share yeah, it no it's very though. good yeah no but i just it yeah it just popped in my mind now we're talking about box art and i'm like we used we looked at all the box art on the nes and took inspiration from a lot of them and uh as like a hint uh for the logo for the book cover the artist was like, what do you want me to do here? Like, he's like, I don't know the NES as well as you do. And I said, I really like the font for uh, Dash Galaxy in the Alien Asylum and Mag Max. I'm like, do something with that. And he came back with a really cool mashup of those two things. And I can't believe he did that with the very little direction I gave him. Yeah, you guys are going to be excited when you get to see the cover. Uh, and... Uh, to the point where I was like, man, are you going to get sued from this? And he's like, no, I've, I've been assured this is all okay. Um, yeah, it's beautiful artwork. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So again, scroll, scroll a few bucks away as things are coming up. So you'll have a little room to purchase the book. And as soon as obviously we've got something to share on that, we'll do that on the show. And then I'll put that out through uh, the social media channels as well. So you guys can get on board with nice. that one. So I'm um, really excited. I'm Excited to put my bucks down and get a copy of the book so I can um, feel good or bad about being able to beat some hard or easy games. I can get rate myself and my skill. I hope it makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah. That's always my intention. So, I, so hope I, I have to ask, you know, maybe as a stretch thing, or I don't know. Is there going to be a, a Kelsey Polnick approved checklist of I've beaten these NES games somewhere, right? Like, 
so someone can follow along and like as they complete the games in the rank of difficulty they can check each game off that's currently planned that's that's gonna be part of it if, if all goes well you know things can change in the next few weeks and we've got some some big exciting things i hope work out but i i don't know if they will yet so we'll we'll see so that way you can follow along and do your own craziness of playing all these games and beating them over years and mm-hmm. uh, check them off and keep a little checklist as you go. So wonderful. Um, if people want to keep tabs on you, what's the easiest way to do that? Uh, still Twitter um, at Kelsey Polnick, um, K-E-L-S-Y-P-O-L-N-I-K. Very good. Um for the show stuff, I run our Twitter as well as our other social media, so you can find us on Twitter as at CollectorCast. Uh, I put the show postings on Facebook, uh, CollectorCast there as well, and um, we are also on Mastodon. I post those as well. So um, I believe we're on TechHub, um, Mastodon server, but you don't need to know that. You can just search for CollectorCast, and you'll be able to find it that way. Um, so whatever way is best for you to follow along and get the show, you can always find the show at all your favorite podcatchers. So if you want to recommend us, you can. We're just about everywhere there is, except again SoundCloud, because I haven't been able to figure that one out, and I, I don't know if I'll ever get around to it. But we're everywhere else that you need to know, or you can always go to straight to collectorcast.com. Hopefully, Bill will be back with us for our next episode, and we'll talk to you next time.